Hello, I'm Brad. And I'm Jason. You are listening to Dice, Dice in, in My Mind. Well, folks, I'd like to welcome you to Dice in Mind. This is a podcast that discusses the meaning of life through the lens of RPGs. Um, that's what you heard a year ago. A year ago today. A year ago today when we released our first episode. I think actually, Jason, you were the one that said that on the first episode. But, um, you know, we, we, we always talk before we hit the record button. Um, some of it appropriate, some of it, you know, a little bit self-deprecating, which is why we don't put it on um, our episodes. But the fact of the matter is, is that um, 45 episodes have released in a year. And we originally started as a monthly podcast. So we have a special guest. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Yep. But um, we thought we'd just have a little open mic session and talk about the past year. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I think there's two things to this one. um, I think the most important one selfishly is um, what has this done for us? And I think a lot of it has to do with you listeners and you in the Twitterverse. And Jason mm-hmm. and I were looking at analytics. We think we've picked up our sixth, our sixth listener. Yeah. So thank you, listener number six. Yep. Um, thank you. But, you know, it, we have been introduced through this to a community that we've talked about before. We honestly didn't know was out there. Mm-hmm. And that's done a lot for us Mm -hmm. and it's this has i mean this is the first thing that you and i have really done together that was it's not academic but there's an academic component to it Mm -hmm. um where we've partnered on doing something like this and when i was younger selfishly i was known for not always being able to stick to something when my in my 20s i was a little bit of a as my grandmother would say flibbity gibbet um (laughs) But the fact that we have done this and I can't, I don't, I th- I'm going to speak for you, Jason. This is not a drudge for us. We enjoy, we enjoy the doing mostly. this. Yeah. So, you know, we are um, just finishing, you know, just coming up on this year and it has been such an enjoyable experience for us. And as a thank you for all of you, we're going to have a, a cool interview again. I've, I've just teased it. We won't. Well, if you're listening to the episode, you probably know it from the title, but we'll pretend that you haven't read the title. And, That's right. right. Um, we'll, Nothing we'll, gets by our listeners. Yes. We'll, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll still, we'll still play the tease game. So, yeah, you know, I actually thought you were going to say as a special treat for you listeners, we're, we're stopping the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a bad idea, actually, in terms of, in terms of uh, scaring our six listeners. So from your perspective, you know, you have been multitasking with, I've been multitasking with work. Oh yeah. Um, but from a creative perspective and an analytical research perspective, you're in the midst, you've heard it. We've heard, we've talked about it. You're in the midst of writing a book. Mm-hmm. You wrote a paper that got published on star trek.com lessons from the ready room mm-hmm. with your partner, Aaron. And 
um, you've done this at the same time where our first episode was about D and D five E. Yep. We have broadened beyond that. So, much um, so. what, what, what has been your kind of, um, I, I'm trying to, I don't want to be a broad question. I want to kind of narrow it because we tend to broaden anything anyway. Um, well, but I mean, I think we were talking about this off air before we started recording. I think the question is mutually what has been our experience. Yeah. Right. This past year doing this. And I think we'll get, we'll get into it. We'll go back and forth on this. Like we always do, you know, like you said, this, the, there are so many points to touch on Brad. I remember. Okay. So we we've mentioned this before uh, for those of you listening at home or in the car, uh, but, but you and I, Brad spent approximately six months planning the podcast. We wanted to get everything right, at least everything we could get right, right. We wanted to hit the ground running. And, and, and so we did. We set up the tech. We set up the, the stuff like Patreon. All, you know, that stuff hasn't, it hasn't taken off and it's not like we're pushing it, but we yeah. wanted all of those pieces present. We wanted, uh, we wanted to have some ideas for our initial episodes and on and on and on. And I remember, Brad, I remember our first recordings. I actually, we've never talked about this on air. I remember our first recording and then having a glitch and losing our oh, first yes. recording. Yes. Maybe that was our second. I think that was our first recording. No, I think it was the second. Was because, there a second? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was our second one because the first one. Okay, yes, we were we were still kind of you know, Jason does all of our production work for this. Um, that's why and, it sounds so bad. No, no, that's why it sounds good. <laughs> um, but you know, it was it was a job. It was picking up and working. And, and I'll be honest, for those of you who who do podcasts in a in a more professional way, we have we use uh, thirty dollar mics, toner mics from Amazon. They were a good. They were a good deal. They're a good no. deal. They're really nice. They, they, I think the sound when we listen to our recordings are good. Mm-hmm. Jason records on Zoom. We go mm-hmm. to garage. He takes it to GarageBand. Yep. You set up multiple tracks so you can bring in the mm-hmm. intros and everything like that. You have a really good system down. Nice and simple. Nothing like but, we've seen online. Yep. Yeah. But the loss was with Zoom. And, you know? and. Oh man. I mean, it was a second one. It was so disappointing at the time because we were spending, we were spending so much time and I was still learning how to use garage band. I mean, everything was learning curve, but I remember really, really candidly, since this is the one year anniversary, this is the time to talk about it. I remember our first few episodes and I remember thinking, and we would talk about this of man, can we keep up this pace? You know, things really right this was monthly episodes things were busy they're even busier now for both of us things were busy um i was i was i was convinced my friend that you were going to flake out after the first half dozen episodes (laughs) i was (laughs) because because things were so busy and um things were busy at home and at work and i remember thinking okay I'm going to give, I don't know if I ever said this. I, I kind of hinted at it. I'm going to give this a year. No, we well, talked about this. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll, but that, that really, that really stayed with me all this time. I'm going to give it a year. We're going to see if it, if it has any traction. And then at some point, 
right way earlier than I ever imagined, we started talking about, we need to start releasing episodes bi-weekly. And I think we'll just figure it out. And I think, Brad, we did that like for two episodes, maybe. Yeah. And then it was like, we have to do this weekly. And uh, it's the only way it's going to gain anyone's attention. And it's really fun. And, um, and that's what we've been doing. We've, we've talked about, we've learned the hard way. Don't front load your interviews back to back to back to back a month, <laughs> a month in advance. We're right. We're, we're, it's a year we're learning. Yep. Um, I, I would say though, and then I want to turn it over to you. I would say uh, the highlights for me honestly is this was already coming with a bunch of us, with a few of us in the group of friends we have, but uh, this podcast means that you and I see each other weekly and we talk all the time. And I mean, I miss, I moved 20 some years ago. I've missed the hell out of that. And so thanks to this, I have that closeness with you of talking all the time about everything, which has been the single best thing. The other best thing then is through that, I've been able to geek out about RPGs uh, with you and just in my own head um, more than I have since I was in college. Probably even more, even more, even more from now. them. Yeah. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. You, yeah. How about yeah. you? Yeah. You, you beat me to it. I think, um, you know, when we decided to do this, I thought we had enough material to do monthly. Yeah, this maybe. is before we got into interviews. Yes. Yeah. But from my perspective, now our core group of friends really, um, it started, we'll give just a little brief history since we can vamp for this episode. There was a core group of you that all went to kind of high school and knew each other in high school. And then when we went to college, it broadened a little bit and a couple of us joined mm-hmm. the group and I was one of those. Yep. Yep. Um, and this was back in the, and this was back in the early nineties. Oh, no, and no, no. It's not that bad. This was after 96. Oh no, my God. It wasn't. Oh no. I graduated high school in 92. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Right. This was it the was fall the of 92. 90s. It was the yeah. fall of 92. So oh my God. Um, yeah. I've known. So I was, I so they, happy. yeah, they, they took me in much to their, much to their chagrin later. We didn't know um, what was happening at the time. Yeah. You, yeah, you didn't know better. <laughs> right. Um, but we have all been very tight knit, even though, um, Jason and his brother both moved away and Jason and his brother are like, you know, my siblings, I don't have my, my siblings, my blood siblings live in this area. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them are overseas, et cetera. Um, You know, we have Eric in town here. Thanks Eric Mm -hmm. for keeping in touch and us going out. Thanks for that. Um, That's a guilt trip. If you can't, you can't see my face, you know, what kind of face I'm giving you. Um, But Doing this has allowed us, we talk almost daily. Yeah. I don't get to talk to your brother as much because he's very busy. Um, but it's good to be able to talk to my brothers again regularly. Yeah. And um, I always joke when when we go up, when we have like social gatherings or celebrations or things. And I always say that the whole family is here, the friends family group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even your aunt, when we were up there this summer, she goes, I just, I find it fascinating that you've all been together this long. Um, yeah. And I said, well, we lack taste one and. Or discernment, right? Yeah. Or discernment. <laughs> so, so I think, I think you, you beat me to it. That's been 
that is by far um, the most fun I've had. Plus, we've had so much content we could talk about that the idea of us putting it down in recorded form and doing it in a way where it's professional. Well, at least um, we have to keep it a little more serious. Yeah, we, we yeah. do keep it serious. And if you were... Yeah. If you were to hear us talking outside of it, we're always serious. Jason and I used to yeah. sit, how we learned to, to talk and debate was we would sit and talk about just any number of topics. And we had our weekly Tuesday night, yep, 10 to midnight weekly. Yep. Yeah. It's and just how it worked out with homework. Yeah. And traditionally mm-hmm. it would stretch a little bit past midnight. Yeah. And this was, we weren't at the time um, drinkers. We were never hyper social butterflies um well i that's no this podcast is by far the most social thing i've ever done okay good point okay i I thought you were making a comment about my college career but i know no i wasn't but but no but but um you know that's how we got into these debates and discussions Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. now taking that and getting rid of some of the 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 unnecessary but still fun humor we have when we are talking off air yes it really makes the discussions pure and it is fun because we do have our time where we can um goof around yeah but this is an actual time where we can have good serious discussion about things that you play there's a dynamic there and about real life, right? Like, yeah. like in our original tagline, or I guess our secondary tagline of, we have always enjoyed talking about science, religion, philosophy, economics, all of it. And this podcast has intentionally given us a venue where, like you said, we have to really kind of keep it together because we're using RPGs to, to take a novel, fun way of looking into those, but then flipping it around. And, and really getting into just the, the, the myriad games and systems we've talked about in the past year and asking, you know, questions like, well, how does it, how does it hold up with, with this or that? And what's the backstory? And, and yeah, it's been, it's been good. I'll say, I'll say the, I'll say one thing about it is that we've always been able to have good discussion and debate if we disagree on something, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and, and we don't, we are not rubber stamps for each other's opinions. We have distinctly different opinions on things that we really don't talk about on air. It's not anything big, but what I have found is I didn't expect this necessarily. We really haven't had this on air. We've been really kind of lock and step in terms of our beliefs about games, gaming mechanics. Mm. And then you get away from that life you know, philosophy, um, diversity, equity, inclusion. Mm -hmm. Um, We are very much aligned in it. I think the only thing where we've had a disagreement on is you trying to put a bard into the Star Trek universe. And that'll be in- I, I, I'm, I still want to do that, but I did back off okay. and I am writing, I, I, I we, we talked about you, you have yep. a character. I, I am writing your backstory, solo adventure. I'm going to be there very soon. So, so yeah, so I, I think to be honest with you, um, the idea I've actually grown as I've always told Jason this, um, he never always accepted it, but I look at over the years, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm close to 50 now, which 
I, it's just weird for me to even say that. Um, well, given that our two younger children, yours now has a permit. Yeah. And mine is in a handful of months going to start studying to drive. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we, we met each other when we were 19. So we're, you know, mm-hmm. Jason turns 48 later in the year. I was um, still 18 when I met you. Yeah, so was I because no, I didn't so turn you. 19. Yeah, yeah, I didn't turn 19 until I, I turned until we 19. Were pledging. Yeah, yeah. Early in early in the year, my birthday is earlier in the year. Yeah. Um, earlier than yours. But a lot of the good in me that I've grown, my ability to speak, discipline, things like that, were because I watched Jason. And, and he'll admit to you that mm. he's not perfect. But he was, in many ways, um, an example. So, and that's now us being able to sit and talk about this stuff. And honestly, listening to Jason offline, we talk about this, the the experience he has writing this book and the experience that we've had doing this. Oh, man. Um, We're getting a little teary-eyed, aren't we, about this, all this, but, but point being a very special episode of Boston. Yeah, <laughs> you've been waiting to put that one on me. I, I I worked it in a several episodes ago, but this one works better. Okay, yeah, uh, that's better. Yeah. But but yeah, I think I think that's the big thing. <laughs> I think when you look outside of us, I really hope, and then I'll and I'm gonna pause because you need to jump in because I'm rambling, but I really hope that we continue to increase listenership, not because we get anything out of it. We're still doing this. You know, we've oh, been yeah. doing it for a year and we're, and we have no intention of stopping. Um, you know, we don't have tens of thousands of listeners, but we still enjoy doing it. We know that there are listeners out there. People have messaged us and told us, there's a couple of you out there, you know who you are, have told us that you started at the beginning way back and you've been progressing through. So you aren't even up to the most current episode yet. Yeah. Um, we, we doff our hat to your fortitude of getting through all of these episodes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. That's, I mean, <laughs> oh that's God. impressive, but, but, you know, two middle-aged white guys who are into gaming and um, I really would like to believe, and maybe I'm being, I'm over dramatizing it. I really would like to believe that we can offer something at the table to folks to know that, um, even though they may be different than us in a mirror or personality, they're not alone. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of us out there that look like you and I, that would have a table full of everybody if we could Yep. and play a game. Yep. I think that's really, really well said. Um, you know, cause we're, we're, of course we're, our identities are more than that. We are deeply immersed in our families. We're deeply immersed in our careers. Um, and we want our episodes to, you know, everybody hopefully, hopefully listening, um, these episodes make you laugh. Hopefully they make you think. Yeah. Uh, hopefully they make you just a little happier, either because of the topic or most likely because of the individual, the creative individual we're interviewing that week. Um, you know, this is, this is all about helping to make the world a little better place. And we're doing it selfishly because of how much fun we have 
talking about this, but I think that's a, that's maybe a good place to start to transition well, before you, here. Before yeah. you transition, it's funny mm-hmm. you, the way you said that laugh and think at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that's because um, when um, I watched last night, some may know who Jim Valvano is. Some may not. Jim Valvano was a college basketball coach who died in 1993. He started the Jimmy V or now the V um, cancer research center. And he did a very well-known speech in 1993 for the ESPYs. And I never watched that show, but the speech that he gives, it's about five or six minutes long. He's full of tumors. He's dying of cancer. He can't walk up and down stairs. The guy's like six, four, and he barely can move. He says in that, and I would recommend you all go out and look up Jimmy V speech, 1993. He says, every day you should laugh, you should think, and Mm. you should feel your emotion, cry or whatever. Mm -hmm. He goes, if you can do those three things every day, what a life you could have. And it just reminded me when you said that, that it was totally reminiscent of what he said. And again, basketball, basketball coach, I'm not a high, I'm not a college, I'm not really a basketball, you know, I don't follow it too deeply. Um, but his speech resonated across um, sports and other lands. You and I were in college, so yeah. it wouldn't have gotten our attention. We didn't have the internet other than through dial up and we can only dial into the college <laughs> mainframe. It, it was you know? basketball. It wouldn't have gotten my attention. Yeah, I know. I know. Or so, as we, as we call it here in my house, sports ball. Yeah. Sports right. ball. Yeah. Sports Jason's ball. Jason's the guy that would write go all sports about the on sports. His, yeah. Right. Yeah, right. you did have a basket or a baseball on your desk at one point from uh, we, we the have, minor I league have a, team. Uh, senior year of college, we went to see the was it the Rattlers, Rattlesnakes, Tim, uh, Timber, Tim, Rattlers. Timber Rattlers. I see I, there was a snake in there. Yeah, the Timber Rattlers. I think up in Appleton. Um, uh, and it, it was just it was a, a senior year trip i don't remember the genesis of it but i i thought it was cool and um and i remember picking up a baseball while we were there it was just it's it's a neat memory we've actually gone pre-covid we've gone to a, a several um saints games here uh okay. i mean i tap out after the fourth inning because they're just my god they're still playing but yeah. but it's fun yeah yeah no you're right though that was see i have a sports ball upstairs yeah and before we will tra- we'll transition i just want you didn't know that I heard you say there's a snake in there somewhere. So yeah, I was a snake timber rattler. I mean, it, yeah. there's a snake on the baseball. That's as close. That's as close yeah. as I'm going to get to making fun of him for a phrase he just stated. Yeah, so, I'll hear about it later. Yeah, moving on. Moving um, on. Yeah, actually, actually, and I just in in terms of transition, I, just to slowly move us there, I was actually going to say that that's I, I we have just you and I have had such a good time, Brad talking to so many fascinating really truly wonderful people and i i know guys that we keep saying this every every episode but but it really is is true um people have been very gracious with our time well uh with their time with their time sorry with our time is pretty much with us with 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 their time thank you um today uh rather intentionally to mark our one-year anniversary. We we do have a special interview, uh, an interview that that went long, much like we're going long. We warned you last week 
uh, we get to we get to chat for a bit on our one year anniversary. We'll keep it tight for the upcoming five episodes of uh, of interviews after after episode forty six. That's going to be a little a little different. Brad looks a little uptight on the on the monitor right now. Um, so so we've talked to some really neat people this past year, uh, a, a few of whom are are rather too very high profile. Um, the gentleman with whom you're about to hear our interview is in our world rather high profile and just the, the nicest, uh, most enjoyable guy with which to chat. Um, I, I think, Brad, you should say a little bit since I think, was it, it wasn't it you who, who kind of, who said, why not? Let's go for it. Let's make the connection. I can't, I can't remember if it was you or me, but um, we've talked a lot about our love for Star Wars and Star Trek and, Star Trek yeah. and, <laughs> and, and sci-fi, oh, God, Star yeah. Trek, Star Trek a lot. Yeah. Um, we've talked a lot about Star Trek adventures. Yeah. From Modiphius. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. From Modiphius. Um, I am a collector of anything and everything that Modiphius has sent out related to Star Trek. Um, you literally, yes. You know, yeah. Hashtag take my money. Yeah. Um, and so um, we invited um, Jim Johnson on, yep. who is the lead, uh, the lead, you know, project manager, yep. lead for Star Trek Adventures. Mm-hmm. So we we got Girk. Uh, geeky nerdy excited when jim said that he would join mm-hmm. us which is why it went a little long yeah. um because we we it was one of those things where we could have probably run long with any of them but for yeah. some reason because of our affinity for star trek and yeah. star trek adventures um you know we well, uh and jim was right there geeking out with us so it was just so much fun yeah. And we talk about, you'll hear us talk about the game. You'll hear us talk about the player's handbook and the game master's handbooks mm-hmm. that just mm-hmm. recently came out. Yep. Um, we'll talk a little bit. We had Kelly Fitzpatrick on when she talked about the Shackleton expanse, you'll yep. hear, you'll hear Jim talk about that. Um, no spoilers in terms of any material coming out. We don't ask that no, of no, our never. guests. Um, we don't ever want to, we don't ever put people on the spot like that nope. um we whenever we interview we we tell them we'll go organically where they want to go mm-hmm. with jim we were everywhere yeah um, in the best sense in the best sense yep. i mean it was it was one of those those epi- it was just a phenomenal time and we call it an interview but it was really just getting together a discussion um you know we could have had it over a table over a glass of wine or you for you jason guinness or whatever it would be you know uh you know I, and i i think you make a really good observation because because the interview with jim uh out, outside of the early interviews we had with uh with some friends and colleagues right with people mm-hmm. we really knew the interview with jim probably felt like more of a chat of a conversation like at some point i think both of us had to like remind ourselves wait wait we need to make sure to ask a few questions here because we're just hanging out shooting the bull (laughs) about all of these neat things jim we've we've already volunteered you if we ever need a special uh substitute um guest on the show or a substitute Mm -hmm. you know if jason's are out or Mm -hmm. i'm out we've already volunteered you to do yeah he's our he's our, our 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 
what is it? A switch hitter co-host. Yeah. Substitute yeah. co-host. That's there the, you go. Thank you. Yeah. And, um, and most certainly we will, we will be asking Jim back uh, because we know, as you'll hear, we know they're going to be coming out. The Modifius will be coming out with uh, significantly more content for Star Trek adventures. Uh, and, and as that happens, we really want to chat with him. Um, and, 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 he, and remember folks, he, he GMs games within mm-hmm. this STA. You'll hear that mm-hmm. he plays them. He works with the writers. Um, you'll hear him talk about um, his experience working with the groups that they have to work with to get um, yeah. the material approved. Yeah. Um, you're going to hear a lot about behind the scenes of the books if you play the game. Okay. So, and then one little funny point about this, because we had a back channel conversation with Jim. As this, so, I was going to, you know, I, I couldn't this. remember okay, this. But. So, so, cause this is, this is really quite cute. So, so in the, in the interview, remember we record these a bit ahead of time in the interview, everybody, you'll hear Brad and me talking about Viacom CBS and you'll hear me like correct Brad once or twice. And I don't know which of us had it right and wrong, but trying to get that down. And then sometimes we call it paramount. And so we, we did this and, um, and, and, and it, it, anyway, we, we were talking about this and then we got a note from, from Jim, <laughs> Got a message from Jim on Twitter saying, "Hey, listen to one of the the previous episodes, and and um, it was great. Other than you know, you have to call them Viacom CBS. They really they get paranoid. And literally the next day, it all of the all of the Trek outlets lit up saying, Viacom CBS is officially now Paramount." And so we messaged I think it was back me. I think it was me that was saying Paramount. It, I, it might yeah. have been because yeah. we didn't know what to call it, right? Clearly, yeah. Nate, neither did they, right? Um, yeah. So that's neither here nor there. We just got a kick out of that because it was the next day and we messaged him back. We we're like, how about that? <laughs> I thought I was, and I was thinking to myself because I didn't, you know, I was like, oh, we should, we should just air dub in me going, Viacom CBS for every time I was right. going to say Paramount since right. Jason has the production nope, not production value, but, but it it's fixed. It's okay. But um, we'll talk, we'll, we'll have a little wrap up after the, the interview here, but yeah. um, this one was a, a for us personal triumph to be able to get Jim on and talk about role playing in the Star Trek universe and having someone there, and talking about their past experiences mm-hmm. with the product yeah. and everything. Yeah. So with that, let's wander over to that interview. Jim Johnson is the author of the Pistols and Pyramids series, the Potomac Shadow series, and other prose fiction series currently under development. He has written sundry other pieces of fiction, including several stories published in the Star Trek universe and has freelance for pen and paper role-playing game companies, including Modiphius, Star Trek Adventures, Decipher, The Lord of the Rings RPG, and White Wolf, Mage the Ascension. Jim lives in historic Alexandria, Virginia, with his wife, toddler, and a pair of crazy cats. Everybody here knows that we are a bit of Star Trek fans. We obviously love all sorts of Mm sci-fi, but um, we're not even opposed to fantasy. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, there's a joke in there, but I'll leave it out. Yeah, um, awesome. yeah. yeah probably not worth it or appropriate. I don't need us flag. I don't need them flagging Move along. our, our Move podcast. Along. Um, we have been fans of the Star Trek Adventures RPG for a long while. You've heard us talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were lucky. We have been lucky to have um, Kelly Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. Yep, Fitzpatrick on yep, to talk yep, about that was awesome. Yep, Shackleton. We had um, a few minutes between phone calls with Chris Birch. <laughs> um, you know, so he the, that guy was that guy was multitasking in a way that I just yeah. even as a PM, um, yeah. who our guest is, will 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 he knows it's fast. But that was fun. I mean, talk about yeah. rapid fire thought, and and I, that was great. So so we have someone joining us tonight who. Um, I had been stalking on Twitter for a while. Uncomfortably um, true. Yeah, yeah, he probably didn't know that, but now I, he's probably going to um, disconnect if he doesn't. Um, we'll I mean, rules of fight club, Brad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so we've been stalking on Twitter for a bit and have wanted to have on the show. So we have Jim Johnson here with us, who is Jim. What you're you're the PM for Star Trek Adventures, but you're just not just Star Trek Adventures, right? I just want to make sure I get this right. Uh, uh, hi. First, I'll say, Brad, J- J- Jason, thanks so much for having me. I, I really appreciate it. I love what you're doing with the with your podcast thanks. and everything you've done for the, not just Star Trek, but just in general. Uh, you're doing some great stuff. Uh, so yeah, I, I am the project manager for Star Trek Adventures. That's my, my primary job. I mean, I'm also the line editor, but I mean that's just part of the mm-hmm. project mm-hmm. Management, yeah. management job. I do a little bit of writing. I do a little bit. Of, I mean, if you look at the credits for the books, I do a little bit of everything, and that's just yeah. the way it works in this uh, in this world. Is like you wear 30 different hats, and you just what, what am I doing in this hour? What am I doing in this hour? What am I doing this hour? You just change hats as needed and just get the, get the work done. So yeah, primarily that's my, uh, that's my main deal with uh, Modifius right now. Yeah. You do, you do more than a, you do more than a traditional PM. And for those of us who have done PM yeah. work in the past, we all know um, you're a PM plus right. with what you're doing there. So we really thank you for joining us. Um, mm-hmm. We're all Star Trek fans. So um, this might be our first uh, multi-part episode because once we get moving, <laughs> we don't know how long it will go. Uh-huh. But um, just to kind of start things off, so this is a boilerplate question. I'm sorry. How did you end up at Modifius yep. doing this? Uh, let's see. So um, you know, I'm going to I'm try to make the long story short because I've told this a million times, but I'm happy to tell it again because it's a new audience, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I've been a lifelong Star Trek fan. I've been a lifelong gamer, uh, pretty much. I got into gaming in the early 80s when the Red Box D&D came out. So that was, that was my kind of like stomping ground. My group, uh, my group we, we rapidly got into all the different TSR games, right? Boot Hill, Marvel nice. Superheroes, Star Frontiers, et cetera, et cetera. I played, played the heck out of all of those. And then, uh, you know, FASA came out with their Star Trek game and we played that. Uh, and then we continued oh, on yeah. to just play a whole bunch of other different games that were out there yeah. at the time, all the different editions of D&D and all the, you know, Gamma World and uh, Paranoia and <laughs> oh, gosh, Twilight 2000. There's just so many other games, right? So, but anyway, as I got through college and as I started, you know, growing up and trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I discovered that I liked to write and I wanted to do yeah. more writing and uh, started getting into the, like the RPG industry. And I'm using air quotes to say yeah. industry is like, you know, it's, it is an industry, but it's a weird industry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, got into um, working with Decipher on the Lord of the Rings role-playing game back yeah. in the early 2000, wow. 2000s. Um, I was a, one of the playtest coordinators and then uh, rapidly got into freelance writing, writing mm-hmm. some stuff on the side and, uh, and then just getting into some of the source books. 
Um, at the time, Decipher also had the license to Star Trek. And so having worked on De Decipher's uh, Lord of the Rings game for about a year, I was starting to make inroads to the people who were doing Star Trek. And I was like, oh, right. I want to do Star Trek too. And what a happy world because like Lord of the Rings and uh, Star Trek are my top two favorite like IPs, you know, or, or franchises or whatever you want to call them. Um, but then, you know, Decipher collapsed and uh, and went out of business. And yeah. it was like, okay, <laughs> that kind of sucks because both those yeah. great licenses are gone now. Yeah. Uh, so then I continued to freelance, uh, you know, through the industry and just, you know, we did continue to write fiction and all that stuff. And then um, in 2016, uh, one of my fellow friends uh, who also worked on the Lord of the Rings game, uh, Jason Dural, who is a huge uh, presence in the RPG industry. He's just written a ton of stuff mm -hmm. and worked on a ton of stuff. And he uh, he sent me an email and he said, hey, uh, you know, because we, we kept you know professional contact over the years just to, to keep keep tabs in, on each other and just to you know, see how we're doing. And he said, uh, hey, you know, I'm working for this company, Modifius, and I'm, I'm their PM on the Conan game. And okay. uh, they just they just signed a new IP that I think you'll be really interested in. So you need to send your, you know, your your vitals over to the company nice. president. But I can't tell you what it is because you don't have an NDA yet. Um, but he signed off. He signed. He signed off the email. Live long and prosper. So that yep. kind of like gave me a clue. <laughs> like, oh, Subtle. okay. I think I know what's yeah. going on here? Um, so I sent in my resume and I talked to Chris Birch. Like, it sounds like you've talked to him a couple times, and uh, rapidly got into the game. Wow. Uh, you know, got involved in the. We were doing. Uh, this was what. This was May of sixteen. So we are. They had already done like the initial round of like. Um, um design and they were getting into the into the like the core rule book development and like yeah. we need writing we need a ton of writers to write stuff for this 300 something page book and so i started right. getting involved in the writing and then you know as you do as a freelancer i i rapidly worked to my best to make myself invaluable so i was like well you know i've got editing skills i've got proofreading skills i've got writing skills you know put me to work give me things to do mm -hmm. and uh, just you know kept going from there and they kept giving me more work and uh and then, you know, they, they said, okay, we're going to promote the guy who was the line manager to another role, you know, so mm -hmm. Sam Webb was the Star Trek line manager before, before me, and then he got promoted. And then I was like, well, you know, I'm here. I've been doing this for a couple of years now, get me in. And so they promoted me to, to project manager. And that's where I've been for the last couple of years now. And uh, it's a great gig. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I can't, I, you know, live I'm and not... breathe Trek for a living. Yeah, that's okay. You said it. Yeah. <laughs> I just... Yeah. I, I, I will admit that I am a freelancer. So this is a side gig, right? I have a day job and uh, like so many, like, mm -hmm. I mean, the vast majority of the people in the RPG industry have a, have a day job yeah, or a, or a well-heeled spouse. Right. So that's right. the reality of the situation. <laughs> right. That's interesting. Um, we don't, we, you know, we don't, we, you know, I didn't realize that this is, this is a freelance thing and you have it, like you said, a, 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 you know, like a day gig, like, like all of us do here. Mm -hmm. So, except we just don't, we're not, we, we don't, we don't warrant enough creativity to be able to do what you do on, on the side. Neither <laughs> of us have that skill set. So, yeah. um, wow. That, that to me, that's interesting. Yeah. That's, that's really, what's it been like working with, you know, because you're working with obviously IP that, that yeah. has a history. You work with the cipher on it. So yeah. you've worked with it a couple times. Um, you know, Paramount obviously has gotten involved and there's this resurgence of Trek material. Mm -hmm. um, what's it been like kind of walking that fine line yeah. between it? 
Uh, which fine line? He, 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 well, yeah, yeah, between being cre- you know being creative and writing this material, being yeah. careful and respectful I mean, of parents. Yeah, how and, what what's the intersection? I think like yeah. with that, like how do you do your thing and all of you do your thing in terms of being creatives and writing and producing and all this wonderful stuff, and then also knowing the buck stops at that interface with Paramount. Yeah. They presumably have to approve of this IP before it goes out, right? I mean, we can cross our fingers, Brad and me, and hope that Shackleton Expanse turns up in Strange New Worlds. But, cool. <laughs> right, right. But but, but short of that, like, what's that process yeah. like for you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, so um, it, it doesn't hurt the fact that, like, I don't know that I talk about this much, but uh, it's worth noting that like before I got into working with this, with uh, Modiphius on this game, um, mm-hmm. I was, just, I was a writer, right? So I, I've written fiction, I've written short stories, yeah. I've written novels, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Um, but part of my, some of my credits are actually writing Star Trek stories for Simon and Schuster, right? So Simon and Schuster back in yeah. 96 to 2004, somewhere in there, they, they did a 10 year contest uh, called Strange New Worlds where fans could, could write a professional grade story, submit it, the editors would review them, take the best 20 and publish them in an anthology every year. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was a great way for the for fans to contribute in some small measure to the, yeah. to the I guess, the secondary soft canon, right? right. I mean, not that you're really contributing to canon, but you were writing Star Trek stories, mm-hmm. getting paid professional rates for it and getting mm-hmm. a publication credit, right? So mm-hmm. that was kind of cool. Uh, but so in, in the process of getting some of those stories published through that anthology, I got. I ended up going to some conventions and meeting other Star Trek writers. So you know, I met David right. Ward and Keith DeCandido and uh, mm-hmm. David Mack and a bunch of other. You know, like if for me, the yeah. luminaries of the of the right. Star Trek world, because like these guys were right and women were writing these awesome novels right. that I grew up on, and now I'm getting to meet them at conventions as kind of like a you know a junior peer because like I've written short stories, they've written novels, so it's a different right. kind of structure right. hierarchy kind of thing. But but I was making contacts right with and I was making you know friendships and professional relationships and with these people, and so when I got into Modiphius, I was like, hey, Chris, right? Because he was the primary guy at the time. Yeah. I was like, I know Dayton Ward, who has written a ton of New York Times bestselling novels. Yeah. I know Scott Pearson, who is the primary freelance um, um, editor on all the novels, right? Yeah. So do you want me to get them? You want me to see if I can get them involved and join in? Because nice. I knew, like in the back of my head, like they have cachet with Viacom, CBS, mm-hmm. and the approvals people. Because like all the all the stuff that is Star Trek, all the fr- all the licensees that do Star Trek stuff, all go to the same approvals team, right. right? So if they knew who Dayton was and they knew who Scott was, I was pretty confident that they, that it would give immediate um, immediate legitimacy to what yeah. we did trying right. to do in the game, right? And make it a little easier for us to get through the approvals process. And uh, I mean, rapidly, almost from day one, like CBS knew what we were trying to do with the game, saw how much respect and love we had for the franchise mm-hmm. and, and it made it really easy to start getting manuscripts approved and art wow. approved and all this other stuff approved because we weren't we weren't screwing with the license. We weren't yeah. doing weird stuff like, you know, we weren't, you know, being uh, uh, disrespectful of the license. Right. And I think pretty rapidly, you know, I developed a really good rapport with the with the people who are responsible for approving this stuff. To the point where, um, now, you know, granted, they look at everything and they are super, super or- detail oriented their franchise yeah. uh, to the point where, like, you know, I sent them a piece of art for the Klingon core book. And um, I, it didn't even occur to me to look at the belt buckle on this one Klingon in the background. Right. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's a Klingon. Obviously, it's great. But the notes I got back said, are you sure that belt buckle on that Klingon in the background is correct? Wow. Because the dot pattern 
on the belt. Oh my god. It didn't look right. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I pulled it up and I zoomed it in real close. I was like, ah, oh, shoot, she was right. It was, I, was, I got it wrong. And so I went back to the artist and said, hey, we got to make this change to, the, to this belt buckle. And, he, and the artist was like, are you are you serious? Like, you're going to spend, <laughs> you know, an hour on this? And I'm like, look, CBS said they we got it wrong. So we got we, whatever, you know, whatever photographic reference you were using it was, in, was inaccurate. And so we need to wow. fix it. So like, I, I love the fact that they're th- this detail oriented, but I mean, fortunately we're at the point now with, with uh, the quality of manuscripts that we're able to deliver to CBS. Like we very rarely get any notes from them, except maybe a typo okay. here and there or a wow. actual thing. Uh, they've been a little bit more careful about the more recent stuff that we've been sending them, obviously, because it's related to, to, to series that are on the air. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. there's levels above them that are being much more, um, yeah. um, careful about what's going into our into our products because they don't we don't want to accidentally screw something up you know right but no, it, it's been a great experience working with Viacom CBS and uh, I you know we're, we're just fortunate that we've been at this for what five almost six years now and uh, I haven't gotten any sense that they want to stop which is yeah. you know gratifying did you have oh, yeah. um did you have uh, was it di- was it a different process or experience bringing out Shackleton experience? yeah you read my mind Brad yeah versus- yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Shackleton was was a really interesting experience. So, like right from day one, uh, even within the core book, we uh, we approached CBS and said, you know, we'd like to we'd like to kind of like tell this little for, forbidden planet kind of offshoot story in in the setting, and we'd like to kind of like create our own little section of the Beta Quadrant and call mm-hmm. it Shackleton Expanse. And uh, uh, you know, Dayton and Scott they they put together the initial kind of like high level pitch of what was going on in the Shackleton Expanse. And we pitched that to uh, CBS and they were like, yeah, this isn't canon. We, we you know, there's, there's the beta quadrant no. huge, space is huge. Go do what you want. Go have fun. Nice. And, you know, cause we weren't, we were, you know, we weren't, we didn't say, oh, we're going to take Kirk and we're going to do this stuff. Or we're going to take Janeway and do this stuff. Right. We're just like, we're creating this new section of space that, that players and game masters can go and do stuff in and do cool stuff in. And the uh, CBS was like, yeah, fine. Go, go have fun. You know, make it crazy or you know, not make it crazy, but you know, go, go do what you want with it basically. And so that was the genesis of the uh, of the living campaign that we did that we ran for the first two years of the of the right. life of the game, right. and then we we put that on hiatus for a while. But we knew we wanted to get back to it somehow. We just didn't know what format yeah. that would take. Um, and then that that all that stuff just kind of grew into the Shackleton Experience uh, campaign guide that came out last year. And so that book was that book was kind of like five and a half years in the making. But CBS, I mean, CBS blessed it all along the way. Okay. And, and they had total over, I mean, not oversight, but they, they review literally everything that we publish, right? All the art, yeah. all, the, all the text, everything yeah. is approved by them. Uh, but I mean, even the Shackleton book, what that's 300 and something pages of content. And I think the, the, the number of notes we got on it were like, you know, I mean, maybe two paragraphs worth of notes, yeah, <laughs> right? It was, it, they, wow. like, they got what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And and we weren't we weren't uh, like if you read the campaign or the or the mission briefs and stuff like mm-hmm. none of it screws with canon like it, it yeah, fits in with they canon are very careful and it and, it, and yeah. it, it ties into canon in a lot of places but we respect the property we respect the franchise we respect what's come before and we're just we're we're kind of like running parallel to it uh, with a little bit of crossover here and there but it's complementary right so like you could. Like, like literally any of like lower decks or, uh, you know, prodigy or whoever could say, oh yeah, let's throw the Shackleton expanse into our, into our episode yes. and they could just drop a reference into it and it would fit. And, you know, we would, I would go crazy because it would be so amazingly cool to hear a reference, 
to it on screen, right? But yeah, uh, oh my god. Um, but yeah, CBS is like, yeah, you know what? This is perfectly fine, and because uh, it's not hurting any of the series that they're doing, and it's just mm-hmm. giving us an opportunity to build something kind of unique into mm-hmm. the into like that soft canon that you were talking about yeah. before. That, yeah. that you know, honestly, Star Trek gamers haven't seen before. Like the Shackleton Expanse, right now, it is one hundred percent unique to Modiphius because no right. other licensee is really picked it up yet i mean we, we've yeah. talked to a couple of people but they just haven't been able to figure out like how do they want to make use of it yeah so let me ask a related question which i i think jim is appropriate is within the lines and if it's not you'll just hold up a big censored sign <laughs> um and i i suspect i know the answer to this but i i, I am curious so uh, like i think of the uh the new game master and player's guides and we're going to talk about some elements of those in a few minutes because more philosophically because that we want to go there but nuts and bolts wise so those two guides start to start to bring us you know the players the gms start to bring modifius kind of up to the current of where trek canon is right now right in terms of you know like it it's just so refreshing to see something in print that acknowledges there's a star trek picard right there's a 32nd century stuff like that really really cool do you all or any of you do you get early access or heads up to things coming so that you can line up future releases with those new shows or do you do you just have to wait until it comes out and then you know i'm just curious because i would think that would make a big difference in terms of production schedule that was that was probably the longest question that was the longest well, way of asking the question what do you have in your back pocket and can't talk about yeah, yeah no yeah. that's specifically <laughs> yeah. not what i'm wanting no that's, I, that's I'm, razzing very, I'm razzing i know but that's that's absolutely not what i'm trying to ask mm. i'm just curious though like do you get a heads up of we're, we're doing these things so that mm-hmm. you can start the process? Cause like you said, if Shackleton took five years, mm-hmm. then like, you know, I'm waiting for the, the Picard expansion set. And then yeah. I'm just going to like, just give you my checkbook. Right. Yeah, yeah. But, but I'm just curious. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, I don't think there's any reason I, I can't kind of dance around a little bit, like a couple, yeah. was it, was it last year or was it, 2020 i can't like covid has screwed up my brain so much i oh, can't yeah. tell and, and not, not, i haven't gotten sick yet but i mean i just like Good. this this whole no. time warp from like late 2019 to now it's just like wh- when did things happen i don't remember brad calls but, this the 22nd month of 2020 <laughs> it's like 2020 part three or something right. Like that, right? um but somewhere along the way in, in in the course of covid we got the we got discovery and picard added to our license right so cbs yeah. was very gracious and said we like what you're doing with the legacy series we want to add picard and uh discovery to your license and we're like okay cool uh so but at the time we didn't have the ability to read ahead right they weren't sending mm-hmm. us scripts mm-hmm. they weren't sending us uh mm-hmm. art assets or anything so we were really reliant on what was happening in the tv show we, we mm-hmm. were literally watching it on on screen just like everybody else yeah. And going, oh, okay, that's what's happening. Oh, okay, that's what's happening. Um, but so what what that meant then is that I I had to really think about when do we want to time products to come out right. because unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, these TV series are in active production right. and it takes a year for us to right. get a source book out, you know, okay. just because of the developmental mm-hmm. timeline. And mm-hmm. um, so I knew, like I knew, like the moment we we start writing a discovery season one thing like season two will already be out season three will already be in development and if we publish this thing it's already going to be out of date right what right. are we going to do what, what the yeah. heck are we going to do <laughs> so we had to really think about that and like 
kind of like based on what we knew just in terms of like the press releases that were hitting the the street in the rest of the world we were like okay now we need to think about how we don't how do we want to time yeah. this out so that we're sent we're putting out products that are actually you know meaty enough to mean something um mm-hmm. but but fit into the overall schedule so it's been a real challenge yeah. and i think you know it, it's been it's got it has to have been at least a year since we got discovery and picard added to the licenses yeah and and the player's guide and the game master guide are the first two books we were actually able to drop stuff into it yeah. in terms of like art and references and, mm-hmm. and commentary and like you know trying to tie those two series into everything else we've been doing and uh, you'll see more of those products not not the pg and the game master guide but you'll see more mm-hmm. stuff coming out this year related to discovery into picard finally because we have because yeah. that, that year ago when we started developing it it's finally catching up to us now plus the mm-hmm. delay that we had with with covid mm-hmm. um picard is a bit of a tricky beast because like literally we all just found out that three seasons is the end right so it's going to be a self-contained three season you know package uh in terms of like story and so now like we're like well do we do we wait a little longer right to bring out the picard book or do we do we bring out you know not to say half-assed but like do we bring out the partial effort and then do another yeah, one yeah like we, we can't predict it though because like who knows what the sales are gonna be like because like you know picard right. has been uh generally very well received but mm-hmm. you know i think one of the challenges with star trek we are in a golden age of star trek mm-hmm. but there's so much star trek out there now that i think they're starting to fragment the the fan base a little bit and it's kind of like uh you know if it was an rpg analogy it's like you know dungeons and dragons brings out five different editions over the course of 40 years you've now suddenly got stove piped groups of people that are like i'm a first edition gamer i'm a second edition gamer i'm a fourth edition gamer right. and, and they don't necessarily cross too much so now yeah. now you've got star trek fans all across the spectrum and yep. it's hard to predict like what's gonna what's gonna sell and what's not gonna sell and, and that's yeah. just unfortunate the unfortunate reality of a capitalist society right <laughs> i have to figure out what can i make that is a going to be cool but is but b is going to be you know profitable yeah. enough to make the money back that it costs us to make it right so that's just a lot of the balancing acts that a, a pm has to do right and, yeah. and the you know leadership team at Modifius and stuff um i think i've lost track of your actual question so i apologize no no, 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 you, no you you hit that's it plus exactly more. Yeah. That's, yeah. Okay. that that's it's it's you get given a general idea of you mm-hmm. know of what it takes to actually think about when you're going to bring something out yeah you know like the discovery you'd think you'd be pretty ready and then all of a sudden they throw us into the 32nd century mm-hmm. right. so that changes the whole dynamic of things right you've got now strange new worlds hitting out there mm-hmm. you know we don't know what's that what's going to come of that yet um you know picard season three like you said uh, do you wait and see what happens yeah. you know mm-hmm. does he get does you know you got obviously we've seen previews with the board queen and with alternate universe mm-hmm. and q and mm-hmm. um so it's it, it you have to walk that line. I I can't imagine having to do that in this mm-hmm. way with with material like that. And then you've got people like us out there. Well, not necessarily us, but people screaming saying, "I want more material." Mm-hmm. You know, there was some there was some doofus out there saying, "I wanted NPCs for uh, Discovery or or something." Oh, maybe that <laughs> was that was you, right? Never mind. Never mind. And it's hard, right? That's one of the that's one of the challenges of this of this work of this gig that I didn't really think about until I got into it. It's like, yeah, oh yeah, we have a year plus developmental timeline, so I'm working on stuff that 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 fans aren't going to see for another year, right? Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. and like even right even right now, we've already got the. 
we've got the next two years pretty well figured out as far as what releases we're going to do. Yeah. And so like, yeah. we haven't really worked on them yet, but we know what we're going to do. Right. And it's so like, it's in my head. And I'm like, oh man, I can't tell anybody about this. I can't talk about it because, because yeah. it would ruin the surprise. Um, although it's weird too, right? Because like, who's going to care? Like, cause like no one else has a Star Trek license to do RPG stuff. So it's like, why wouldn't we just tell everybody what we're going to do for the next two years? But what I'm, what I've discovered is like, you know, especially in this day and age, everybody has such a short memory yep. that uh, you can announce something. And then three weeks later, if you're not hammering them about a reminder, they're going to forget. No. And yep. I do it. I'm guilty of it too. Like I always forget about stuff. Yeah. And uh, if I don't think to pre-order it, then I'll be like six months later, be like, oh, that's coming out. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> so, uh, so it's a tricky balancing act. Yeah. But yeah, so the stuff that we were working on, you know, last year at this time, is finally, you know, in, you know, coming out of layout, coming out of development in, in production or yeah. ready to go or that's whatever. Cool. And finally, we can, you know, especially Shackleton, man, I tell you, Shackleton, uh, like I said, it was five years in the making. And uh, I spent so much time last year working on it, going through the layouts that I I told other folks, like, I I looked at that PDF so many times, I was so sick of it. Because I was like, I was like that, that father's like, I want this baby to be born. And I'm so tired of waiting. I just want it out there. And it's like, I'm the, I'm the like the Star Trek Santa Claus was like, I knew that the fans would love it once they got it. It's yeah. like I just I can't get it to you any faster. It's just that you got to go through the process, and it's, yeah. it's hard to wait sometimes. But uh, I know other people, you know, I, I, I'm friends with. They, they have access to all the scripts ahead of time. Like uh, Scott um, Pearson, like he can he can edits all the novels, so he sees the novels ahead of time. For a while there, he was consulting on the script, so he got to read the scripts ahead. Nice. And uh, and it's that weird middle ground of like, do you want to know what's coming, or do you want to be surprised? Like, do, oh, I want yeah. to be, do I want to be completely spoiled about everything that's coming up just so I can write the, you know, season three Picard book or whatever? It's right. like, do I want to do it or do I want to wait? It's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's really hard to, yeah. to balance that. And of course, I haven't had an opportunity to even worry about it yet, but <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens here. Good I mean, problem to have. That, you do that in the newsletters, you know, when the player's guide and, and, and game master's guide, when you announce them, mm-hmm. I think you announced them not long before you opened up pre-orders. Yeah. So it gave yep, us yep. enough time to keep it on our mind and then pre-order. Yeah. Um, same thing mm-hmm. with Shackleton. You know, I put it on my calendar. I knew that it was going to come soon and I kept reminding myself. So <laughs> yeah, that, you were really excited about that one. Yeah, yeah. placing mm-hmm. an order. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, it's interesting. Like you said, you have a, it's a, it's a walled garden in a way. You don't have to compete with other people that have the same IP, mm-hmm. but you know, what's the, what's the line now I'd be of the type that I'd want to know four years in advance what's coming up, (laughs) but that's just me. Um, But I do jokes aside. I do like the fact that when I open up like the newsletter or something on my, in my email um, and you've announced something, whether it's that, or, you know, some of the other games I've picked up, you know, that things are coming Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. and they're announcing. And personally to me, um, you know, to see you all continuing to produce this material in the environment we've been in mm-hmm. just that, that gives me hope just because, you know, business is still moving mm-hmm. you know, in this arena. Well, yeah. and, and I mean, look at the, the nature of the content and I want, maybe we can talk a little bit about this and I'll just start with an observation though. I think we, we chat, we chat a bit about this on Twitter, but you know, Brad, you and I have talked a lot about this. I think, Obviously, you know, you and Modifius, you've been putting out Star Trek content that's, I mean, that's so just so beautifully Trek, right? The, 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 the writing, the layout, the, the, the art, I mean, everything just really mm-hmm. sings Trek, just with, with real respect, and I would suspect love. 
Um, but I think qualitatively what you've all done with the players and game masters guides, it's different. Um, part of that is I just really, really, really like the layout. Um, I'm a real fan of black and white, black on white, but I really just like the layout and the subtle things. It's just such an, such a crisp, elegant thing to read. But, but I think qualitatively the content, it sings a little differently. You know, the, those behind Star Trek as an IP have really been doubling down on what makes Trek Trek, right? It's, and it couldn't come at a better time historically, right? So many things are, are suck right now. And then you have these shows that somehow through drama and conflict are still demonstrating the best of humanity and even helping to redefine and broaden what that means. And then making sure finally that everyone is welcome, whether it's in the ready room or in our case, you know, at the table. That's a, a glorious thing. And we talk about that obviously a lot uh, on Dyson Mind, but, but I think it comes across. I mean, what really got me going was reading the PDF uh, of, my, of my, my pre-order for the player's guide. And, and it's not just, oh, and this is a very optimistic future, but clearly you all have doubled down on that ethos of, look, this is what Trek is about. Right. And I mean, there are other franchises, you know, um, wrong one. There are other, there are other, well, RPG companies that are, are doing this, some better than others. Right. Um, but with these two guides, I think Modifius, at least through Star Trek, has really leapfrogged. It just, you get into the first pages and it's like, look, players, GMs, this is what this world is about. And this is what makes it wonderful. And you have an obligation to do that. Um, maybe we can just talk about that because you clearly are being very intentional on, on bringing that forward in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I appreciate everything you just said. And I, I am so gratified that somebody got it, right? Like, like I, we threw these books out there with a specific target audience in mind and, and it seems to be hitting. Like, I don't wanna make any assumptions. I, you know, I'll knock on wood. Because, yeah. um, like hardly anybody's got the book, right? You have the UK, Europe, yeah. and, and the spots around the world. It, it's starting to get out there, right? But it's, it hasn't hit critical mass yet, in, in as much as anything can hit critical mass. But uh, yeah. um, yes, I was I was very intentional when I was writing the outlines for these books. I was like, we did we did a good job with the first core book to kind of like you know it's Star Trek. Here's what Star Trek's about, and then we got into it. But we didn't have an opportunity to really do. Here is what really Star Trek is all about, and I think part of it is because we learned. We've gotten to learn over four years what the audience wants and what the audience is doing, like the Star Trek audience and the, and the gaming mm-hmm. audience. Mm-hmm. And I've spent so much time on social media for this game over the last four and a half years, just listening to listening to gamers, listening to fans, listening to Star Trek fans, and discovering that Discovery and Picard and lower, especially Lower Decks, yeah. um, are bringing in a whole new generation of Star Trek fans, mm-hmm. right? And I didn't think about that when I first started working on the game because I was like, oh, you know, they're all you know, like me, Gen X, or like us, Gen X, you know, we grew up on Star Trek. We know Star Trek through and through. We've got all the technical manuals. We've got all the nonfiction books. We we are completely, deeply immersed in everything Star Trek. Yeah. And so I think, and, you know, I think uh, Nathan Dowdell and some of the other folks on the Star Trek game will probably be very angry with me to say this, but I think when we released the Star Trek core book, we, we didn't necessarily have the new Star Trek fans in yeah, mind. Right. Like we were really targeted. Like I mean, we even used the Elcars layout, right? So it's like mm-hmm. clearly, you pick up that core book, you are in next gen DS9 era. Like boom, if you don't know it, you're we're taking you along for the ride, and you're on the way, 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think having four years playing, working with the game is like, wait a minute, let's step back a little bit yeah. and, and go to a higher level and, t- and target not just the fans who already know all this stuff anyway, and they're going to st- skip to all the crunch in the back of the book anyway. But like, let's, tar- let's try to target the new fans who are like casual fans of Star Trek. Maybe they've watched a couple episodes. Maybe they watch a couple episodes of Lower Decks and they're like, okay, this right. is kind of cool. What is this? Right. Or they're, they're you know, uh, significant others kind of like dragged them into it. And like, hey, check this thing out. I want you to play with me. Let's try it out. And, uh, and I thought, uh, I don't remember who mentioned it or if it was me or whatever, but I thought, um well gosh what was it the the fourth edition dungeons and dragons the the forgotten realms book and the ebron book uh, mm-hmm. like if you read those at the very beginning like in the first chapter they say here's 10 things you need to know about ebron it's this 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 and this and, and that sets the tone like right away in right. the first 10 pages you know exactly what to expect for, like you don't even have to read the rest of the 200 page book or whatever right. This this three pages is going to tell you everything you need to know about Eberron or Forgotten Realms or like whatever. And I was like, well, that's a great idea. And, and I was like, how do we adapt that for Star Trek? It's like, well, the first two things we need to define is what is Star Trek? You know, this 55 year behemoth of a franchise, what is Star Trek? What, yeah. what are the essential tenets of it that, that we can communicate to a casual fan or even somebody new to the property? And then and then we take that to the next level and say, OK, now knowing what you know about or knowing what you know about star trek now what is star trek adventures like what are you going to get out of this game experience uh that that you can't get from any other game experience Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that you know facetiously or whatever it's Mm -hmm. just like literally there is no other game out there that can do star trek properly in my Mm -hmm. opinion like you can do like traveler is cool but traveler is a very specific thing star frontiers is cool it's a very specific thing star wars completely different franchise Mm -hmm. uh there's so many great science fiction games out there but none of them really have that Star Trek ethos, mentality, yeah. principles yeah. that have been present in Star Trek for 60 odd, you know, you know 55 odd years or something, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, you know, Nathan and the other designers of this game did a fantastic job of baking everything about Star Trek right into the rules, right into the game, right into uh, literally everything that, about the game. Like the, the way the game is run at the table is Star Trek through and through. And I felt it appropriate if we acknowledge that and say look this is this is star trek right so if you play this game with yeah. your friends you're going to be able to to put together a you know an authentic star trek feel episode adventure story whatever it is at your game table and um I, i'm rambling no no <laughs> no, no, no 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 keep going but, uh, but I mean, that was, that was, so that was the thrust of it is like like we need to define what is star trek and we need to define yeah. what is star trek adventures for the purposes of our game anyway right we're, we're not we're not saying mm-hmm this is what Star Trek is. And like everybody has to agree to it. We're just saying, this is our opinion of what Star Trek is yeah. for the purposes of our game. And then here's how the game works in relation to that. And then we build it on from there. We talk about the eras of play and the styles of play and like all the other great stuff that's, that's mm-hmm. uh, in that book. Um, and CBS was, was of course, you know, totally fine with it. They were like, yep, this all makes sense. This is Star Trek. And uh, nice. what's funny is um Right after I submitted those two manuscripts for approval to CBS, the uh, CBS, Viacom CBS and Nickelodeon did a big like licensor um, like press thing, right? Where you, you, you yeah. go, you, you dial, of course it's all virtual. Yeah. Uh, you dial in and they, and they do their big uh, salesy spiel song and dance about how awesome Prodigy is and blah, blah, yep. blah. And, and, but what they talked about initially was like, they talked about the values. It's like Prodigy is going to hit this value and this value and this value. And we're going to hit it really hard because it's aimed at kids. And at first I was like, well, of course, that's Star Trek because of, of course it's Star Trek. But but it made me think, oh, wow, 
we got the we got the PG and the GMG right because it ties right in, right? We got we got I mean we hit we hit it right right off yep. the bat. I mean we because we know Star Trek, right? Star Trek hasn't really changed in sixty years. Like the values are the same. Like it's diversity, it's inclusion, it's leadership, it's yep. striving to be your best. Yep. It's uh, not chasing the dollar. You're you're trying mm-hmm. to better yourself and your fellow yep. people, and you're working together toward a common goal. And like all of that is totally baked into everything we did in the player guide and the game master guide. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it's it just really tried to drive it home. And I, I hope that more, a lot of people, it, we, we decided to do it as a digest. So we, you know, we, we committed the, the heresy of changing the format on gamers. Cause like they love their letter size, eight and a half by 11 hardbacks. Right. I, I've got a shelf full of them. I love the hardbacks, yeah. eight and a half by 11s, but we were like, yeah. let's do something different just to shake it up a bit and make it a book that is easy to carry easy to throw into a bag and easy to give to somebody like you know if you're if you're willing to let somebody borrow your books like and i have a little a little ocd about it (laughs) why would you do that right um but i was like i was just trying to think ahead like this could be the book where if you have a casual friend who's in this who who wants to know more about star trek you can say i want to play star trek adventures with you read the first two chapters of this book right and that's it. Like that's all you need. Like understand what is Star Trek, and then understand what is Star Trek Adventures. If those two chapters, those two chapters don't grab your interest, then Star Trek's probably not the game for you. And that's yep. okay because it's not for everybody. Because like yeah. it's very clear that there's so many different Star Trek fans out there that want very different things from their game, and which is okay. But but a lot of them deviate from the from the middle, right? And, yeah. and some of them go way off <laughs> way off the course, uh, which is fine too because it's you know it's idic, right? It's everything. Yep. Everything's possible um so yeah so we we really targeted that and then you talked about the layout and i'll, I'll stop babbling here in a minute no, but no. i uh i i was one of the people like way at the beginning in the in 2016 2017 when we were starting to work through the layout and the development of the core book i i kind of raised my hand and said do you really want to use l cars as your as your as your design because yeah. like it looks beautiful on the screen and the pdf yeah. the pdfs are going to look fantastic but yeah. as a print product Putting light text on a black background mm-hmm. is going to be really, really hard on the eyes, especially mm-hmm. for like the eight, nine point font mm-hmm. that we're using in these books. And it's like, you know, if, if the color plates are off just a little bit, it's going to look like yeah. it's going to look terrible because you're not going to be able to read it. But mm-hmm. I, yeah, and of course, I was just a freelance writer at the time. So I had really no pull at all. Right. They're right. like, no, this is what we're doing. We're doing L cars. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay. But, you know, oh, but then over the years, and I, you know, I'm not going to be one to say I, I was right, but, uh, we did get a lot of feedback saying we like the books. We like, we love the design, but I can't read it. And, um, and I was like, okay, so we're going to, we're going to rethink this a little bit. And the, the, the first opportunity I had once I became project manager, I was, uh, I, we, we started developing the Klingon book and like the number one, the number one bullet point on my, on my wish list for the Klingon book was dark text on a light background. Because that, that was the first thing that, it, like, if I couldn't do anything else, that was the one, the one contribution I wanted to make to the, to the book was that we, we make it a white background so that it was easier to read. Yeah. And, uh, and we got good feedback from that. And then, you know, when we decided to do the player guide and the game master guide, I was like, you know what, we're going to stick with it. We're going to, we're going yeah, to do dark text on a white light background because it's so much easier to read. And then of course, in my, my native, native, whatever, how you pronounce it. I was like, oh, you know, these these player guides and game master guides 
could be so useful for a game master or a player that they might even write they might even write marginalia. Oh, love it. it, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and how, it. how can you write in a in a book that's black background? Like, you, what are you gonna do? Write yeah, yeah. write on it with a sharpie? <laughs> like, right, right. There's just no yeah. way to do it. Um, so, so yeah, I was I was very intentional about making them yeah. a, a very different, clean format, yeah. and. Uh, you know, we, you talked about earlier how we're finally able to drop in uh, Discovery and Picard into the into the design, into the yeah. layout. And everything. Yeah. Um, the player guide and the game master guide was was really our first opportunity to to rethink like how are we how do we want to present the out, the layout because we have a lot of different layouts, right? We have a original series layout yep. that we use for original series products. And we have a next gen DS9 layout with the L cars. Mm-hmm. And we, we developed an enterprise layout. Mm-hmm. And we're working on a Picard and a Discovery and you know layouts too for those products cool. just to make them look visually yeah, interesting and different. Um, but for the player guide and the game master guide, I was like, wait a minute, we need something different yeah. here because it, it's it's the entire franchise. Yeah. It's not just you know certain sections yeah. of it. So I you know I challenged my designer and I said, look, we need to make this feel like Star Trek, mm-hmm. but not tie it to any particular series or era of play. Yeah. And we went back and forth on it for a while, a lot of different design iterations and stuff. And I think they came up with a great solution yeah. using the traditional Star Trek font for the headers and, yeah. uh, you know, the arrowheads. And I thought the mm-hmm. covers are amazing. Like this is the first oh, time I we did love this. Love it. This is yeah. the first time we did a premium cover. Actually, no, the second time. The, the Klingon core book uh, had a premium oh, mm-hmm. uh, okay. leather cover, which which was right. kind of like our test bed. We were like, oh, this, this could be really cool. And then, yeah. uh, you know, the production guy, he was like, you know, there's so much more you can do with covers. Like, here's some examples. And then that, that like blew our heads away because like, oh, we can do like foil and debossing and embossing. And there's just, I mean, there's so much stuff we can do with, with covers now. It's ridiculous. Um, so I was like, okay, so let's do that for the player guide and the game master guide. Um, and then, you know, the leadership team at Modifius were like, well, why don't we just do the entire print run like that? And make it a really cool and different book. So, like instead yeah. of doing like a standard cover, right? And then like the cool premium covers, we right. just did the entire print run in the cool premium covers because, like, why not, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, so hopefully, anyway. Long, long story, long, oh, long story short. It's great. Um, we're, these books are tricky because we like tried to target both the brand new fan to Star Trek and to Star Trek Adventures, right. but also we wanted to put enough crunch into them that would make the longtime gamers happy, right? There's a ton of new player options. There's a ton of new rules clarifications. And then the Game Master Guide has just a ton of new rules, options that, you know, Nathan, because he's worked on so many 2D20 systems now, because, you know, over the course of the four years, he's developed a whole bunch of other systems. He had all these rules that didn't get into Star Trek, but he was like, oh, you know, I could adapt that a little bit and throw it in there as an option. And so now Game Masters and players, they just have a wealth of potential stuff that they can add to the toolkit. And uh, that's what, you know, actually, that's one of the things I've been really leaning into is that the Star Trek Adventures game is—it's a toolkit, right? It's not—it's right. not just a system. Like you can take That's components cool. out of it and and have a great game experience without having to use literally everything that's in the game system. Um, and that's where we went with the the optional rules in the Game Master Guide. Is like, you know, here's more. Here's more stuff. Use it if you want to. If, yep. if it doesn't work for you, then don't bother with it. But uh, yeah, um, you know, we we just wanted to throw as many options at people as possible and say you could make this a really crunchy game if you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Or you can mm-hmm. make it a you can make it a super narrative rules light. Uh, you're literally literally not rolling any dice, right? And you're wow. just doing yeah. doing theater of the mind, or you're doing yeah. play by post on Discord, or you're doing like my group. We we did uh, last year. I ran I ran the game, and my group got through about 35, 36 sessions or something. And like wow. literally, once we got into it, like after the first three or four sessions, once we got into it, 
it was almost like we were creating a, an audio drama every week, right? Because we we play on Discord cool. and, we, and Roll Twenty, um, and we didn't use video. We just we were just talking to each other over the internet. And literally, I mean, like there were whole sessions where we didn't touch the dice roller at all. We were just doing the drama, yeah. doing the doing the scenes, going through. They the said, wow. "I'm not that bad." Then and they're, they're uh, great. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. so, like at its heart, the two D twenty system is super super narrative, and like you right. can just you can like like just leave everything else aside if you want to. And just have this amazing Star Trek experience without having nice. to touch the dice. And like, I know yeah. some gamers are like, "What? You didn't roll dice? How could you not roll any dice?" And mm-hmm. but then there's that, that there's that other group of like hardcore story, storytellers where they just want to get together with friends mm-hmm. online or in person yep. and just tell a cool story that feels like Star Trek. So it, we it tries to hit all the different uh, all the different marks, and uh, well, we'll see how it goes. I love the yeah. I love the size of the two guides because it reminds me. Um, there's a game out there that that I've been talking to Jason about called the Burning Wheel, mm-hmm. and the Burning Wheel has that more of a, a novel type of feel. So I didn't, I wasn't expecting them when I opened the box to see them that way. It's the yeah. first thing you said to me. Yeah, you I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is uh, this is phenomenal. You like you said, you could throw it in a bag, mm-hmm. and That's you funny. can give people basic info. Correct me if I'm wrong here, because I just want to make sure I and the listeners understand it. Obviously player's guide phenomenal book it's partnered with one of the rule books right either the, the initial one federation initial rule book or the klingon you really need both together to play or can you play without that what's what's the intent uh yeah the the intent is that the player's guide and the game master guide are supplements so mm-hmm. they are they you got to have a core book so whether whether you have the starfleet core book or the klingon core book or you know n- not to make this a plug but the the tricorder set that's coming out has a rules mm-hmm. digest in it, and that's a full blown rule book. It's just in a digest format instead of a, a you know eight and a half by eleven. Nice. So if, no matter which of those three rules that you have coming into the game, because they're all the same rules essentially, um, the players guide and the game master guide complement all three of them, right? So no matter which entry point you're coming into Star Trek Adventures, you can still use the players guide and the game master guide, and that was entirely intentional, one hundred percent entirely intentional, because we yeah. didn't want to limit anybody. Um, so um kind of like my you know my concept is like okay the game master is probably going to have a core book and then if you're a player mm-hmm. you could just buy the player's guide and probably get away with it right because mm-hmm. like if the game master is teaching you the game and and you've got the player's guide and oh by the way we have a free online character app <laughs> that has all the stuff in it so like literally yeah, like, yeah. You know, i'm going to give away the keys to the, to the farm here and you know tell yeah. you not to find anything but like really if you're a player coming into the game and if your game master knows what they're doing all you really need is the character app, some dice, and maybe the player's guide because the player's guide has so many great options in it. And one of the things yeah. I'm excited about it is that, like, for the first time, we've really been able to blow the doors open on what kind of characters you can play in Star Trek. Oh, because yeah. The, play- the player's guide gives you really detailed options on playing children, more options on playing cadets, and a ton of options on playing non Starfleet characters, right? So if you look at like DS9 and Voyager, where you've yeah. got um, you know, you got Kess, you got Neelix, you got Odo, you got Kira, Nog, Rom, these characters that are very important main characters to their series, but not at all Starfleet, right? They're very different character types. Um, you know, we, you've got the, you take that player's guide, we give you all those options. And, and part of it was inspired by Picard, right? Because Picard is a group yep. of misfits, Absolutely. former officers, you know, a civilian doctor, an, an android, et cetera, blah, 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 all these different random characters who are either former Starfleet or not at all Starfleet. And they're all thrown into a ship and they go off on this adventure. 
that's exactly what we wanted to 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 target for the player's guide nice. uh, was was because we knew that as the Star Trek franchise is evolving with these new series coming out, mm-hmm. you got you got Discovery, you got Picard, you especially Picard, uh, the the later series of Discovery. Now that you got like Book and uh, yep, and that whole extra thing going on, yep. and then Prodigy, Big you time. know, which is a bunch of kids on a ship, <laughs> right? So like you could literally do all of that now with Star Trek Adventures, and I, I don't think we've hit that hard enough in like our marketing yet because like because we don't have the Prodigy license yet. Yeah. Um, we can't really talk about it in the in our products. Yeah. But it's just happy circumstance that Nathan said, "Oh, you know, I got a, I got this whole rule set about playing kids and making kids. You want to throw it in there?" And I was like, "Of course we do. Of course we because we we may not have the prodigy license, but we can certainly allude to it, right? <laughs> yeah. Indirectly. So um, it's just I, I want to. I can't wait for this book to finally get out there and see what game groups do with it because yeah. literally you can do anything you want now. You can play." an entirely Romulan crew. You could play Cardassians. You could play yep. uh, mercenaries. You could have uh, the Nausicaan experience. You could have Packleds. I mean, there's like literally the entire Star Trek universe is available yeah. to use now for once. I mean, you could kind of make it work with the with the Starfleet Corps book and, and having to like kind of like figure it out and, and homebrew it a little bit. But but now with the player's guide, I think I'm, I'm just excited to see what, what fans do with it because uh, I mean, literally, I mean, this is going to sound, you know, corny but you know picard said the sky's the limit and like at yeah. this point now literally the sky's the limit yeah uh, we could almost stop running we could almost stop making star trek products at this point and feel like we've pretty much covered the the possibilities even though there's tons I of mean, more tons hopefully more you won't right no, no, no. <laughs> don't <laughs> do that don't do that yeah, yeah. <laughs> so though you know it's funny you go in that direction though yeah. so that was a mistake so let me ask you a question so okay so just your your proclivities you as you mm-hmm. as as jim right it, if in in your role right have being the grand poobah of the star trek adventures line if if money time if ip if there were no encumbrances of mm-hmm. like real life if you could just say okay i'm into this so i would love to just let's go this direction what are the kinds of topics you would want to tag i mean it just ignoring reality like recognizing some of this probably would never fly right yeah where would you want to go if you were just totally unlimited had a green light for anything is there any (laughs) is there an itch you want to scratch that especially like you know it'll never happen kind of thing yeah um i mean with with those parameters right like if 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 money was not an issue if time wasn't an issue If uh, if I it, could do literally anything I wanted, it's I your would, universe. I would I would do I, what I would do is a, is a slipcase of, of eight and a half by eleven hardcovers, right? And probably make them like you know 200, 250 pages each. And I would do a deep dive into every single series or or era of play, I guess, right? I would do a huge hardcover of like twenty one fifty one to twenty one ninety nine, uh-huh. like the like the like the pre enterprise. Enterprise, early Federation era. Yep. I would yep. do just one gigantic hardcover for that. Yep. Who cares if it's going to sell, right? Because like, yep. like we're, we have, we were, we're talking about no holds barred, nope. anything we wanted to do. So that would be volume one. Would be the pre-Federation, early Federation, covering Enterprise, a little bit of the other series because that's what kind of got folded in. And then I would do a book, another you know huge 200, 250 page book about the the like that middle ground that includes just the first two seasons of Discovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Strange New Worlds, mm-hmm. the original series, um, the original series movies, right? Mm-hmm. So I would do tw- 20, like 2200 to 2299, like that yep. huge 
chunk of time. Yep. And then I would do the Lost Era book that covers that whole swath of time in between the movies and yes. Next Generation. Yes. Where mm-hmm. we kind of know what happened to some extent, like the Enterprise C was in there. Right. And uh, uh, Jack Crusher with his uniform that didn't have the collar that looked horrible. <laughs> <laughs> right. The, the, the Monster <laughs> Maroons without the collar is like, what are you doing? You got to have the collar. It just doesn't look, doesn't look right without it. But anyway, uh, that's a digression. Uh, so I would do you know, a deep dive into that era. And then next, there would, I'd do a book on Next Gen. I would do a book on DS9. I would do a book on Voyager. Oh, my God. And then I would do a book on, like, that middle ground between 2379 right. and Card. Yep. Because right? that's, that's fertile ground there. Yep. And then and then I would do, like, a big ass, uh, a, a big, well, uh, sorry if I'm swearing. I shouldn't uh, on your show. I was fine. just waiting for so. you to say big butts and then Brad could start to sing. But I digress. <laughs> Go on. Go on. Um, I would I would find a way to do a Star Trek Online book, and and get all oh, that all that content from Star Trek Online, right? Because they they covered the 2400s pretty yeah. tightly. Did you play um, that? Out of curiosity, was that? Did you play that? I've played that. I, I played it a little bit. The my problem is like I try to I try not to play video games too much because i know that they are a huge time sink yeah. and i love them and yep. and i just don't Same have the time anymore no. to devote like I, I played i played skyrim like crazy when it came out but i sunk 200 hours into it easy <laughs> if not more and i don't have that kind of time anymore because if i was oh. doing that i wouldn't be doing this and uh you know yeah. deadlines would slip and and everybody yeah. would be very unhappy right. <laughs> um so i've played a little bit of star trek online enough to be familiar with it but i haven't yeah. i haven't given myself yeah. the opportunity because i i know don't. that yeah, if i get careful. into it i will yeah. never come out of it and yeah no i i, I don't want to yeah. go there so and i know just, it's i know it's not canon but it's still yeah. it's still very entertaining yeah, yeah. just to go back to your dream project then right. would you i just i gotta know what you want to know would you then would you wrap it with volumes, you know, forward looking in terms of Picard discover? How would you handle that stuff? Uh, well, so, 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 you know, theoretically, there'd be a book that covers the three seasons of, of Picard, right? Yep. So that, and then, and plus whatever else canon wise fits into that, like whatever yeah. other series they've got coming up. Um, and then it gets a little squishy, right? Cause like, right. like that whole, there's that whole temporal war cold war that happens in the 26th century yep. that we don't really know much about and we probably would have learned more if, if enterprise had stayed on the air so that might be conjectural but i think there's got to be something in, uh, like that that book could cover i guess like the 2500s to 3100 like talk about right. the burn talk about some of the other right. stuff that discoveries alluded to and then there'd be books about discovery in the 32nd century right so yeah i mean this slipcase is getting bigger and bigger yeah. the more i talk about it right yeah. <laughs> but uh, i in an ideal world like all all no holes barred you know oh we would do this in in several years looking back so that we, have, we can see the entirety of the franchise right. and do, do it justice yeah. and know that we were releasing these books and they probably wouldn't be contradicted by by yeah canon and, and, and new new series coming out and it's you know it's all pipe dream anyway um, but the de facto but, history of yeah. that canon in a way you could play yeah yeah that'd be so cool, oh, and so just, cool. Just, just to see it on the shelf this huge massive thing on the shelf and you know i would i don't know if you've seen the um the eagle moss uh, graphic novels that they did for the comic book series oh. um i don't know if you've seen those but like they did this series of like 80 graphic novels where they're reprinting all the old star trek comics but what they did is they were they were really intentional about the designs. If you look, if you line up the spines, right of the books, oh, there's actually a picture on the spines that, that just continues from from um, book to book to book. So if you look at the whole gigantic set on the shelf, 
yeah. it's just this beautiful picture of all the different ships and stuff. So oh, like cool. if I was if I had the means to like being be really intentional about designing this entire yeah. slipcase, I would I would challenge the artist like give me a picture on the spines so that when the gamers have this on the shelf, they can see this beautiful panorama of stuff and just start pulling you know individual um volumes off the off the yeah. shelf and then it, but then it just looks it looks unified on the on the shelf so i mean again this is a pipe dream it'll never happen it's way too expensive <laughs> <Right. That'd laughs> impressive. Uh, yeah oh well all, now the three of us are going to dream about that so, yeah because that would be i buy it. i mean the, oh the amount of material then that you could that you could use yeah it'd be crazy for, oh. for role playing would be phenomenal one yeah. one last question just for me yeah. is so obviously um you know, we talked. You talked about the the living campaigns and all that. Are you still obviously you're a little bit busy these days, mm-hmm. day job and this job? Are you still gaming? Are you still able to do anything like that, or is it just been difficult? Uh, I mean, like I said, we, we I did about thirty five episodes or thirty five sessions of my game last year, and then like in August ish, a couple of players moved on. You know, moved to different parts of the country and never really got back to it. And um, and then I got busy uh, working on 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 the game, and. Uh, and then just, you know, life rolls happened and just didn't get back to it. Um, but uh, recently, uh, myself and a couple other um, folks that I know, we decided to do a, um, a live uh, video where we would go through an imaginary session zero, right? So we, we, we took the checklist right out of the player's guide and said, hey, maybe there's some gamers out there who really have no idea what a session zero is, have no concept of like, how would you even start a Star Trek game? And so we got five of us together on, on, on a Zoom call right and uh and my my friend michael he 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 just went through the checklist and said okay let's talk about what do we want to play we want to play star trek okay what kind of characters we want and we went we went through the character generation thing together you know we all have the app up on our computers individually and we just started creating characters and we were just kibitzing back back and forth about uh what our characters were doing in the academy or their childhood or whatever And, and even though we knew we weren't going to run a game after doing the session zero we came yeah. up with all these rich characters, histories and stories and possibilities and things. And that, that actually, after the fact, we talked about it and we said, hey, we should try to do at least one session of an actual game. So I think the game master is thinking about how we how we can actually do something with that. Cool. But it was a really cool experience uh, to do that because hope, I, mean, I haven't heard any feedback because the episode's not available yet. We're still doing the editing on it. Um, but hopefully new gamers will say, oh, this is how a session zero could could be conducted. And so, like, uh, you know, if they want to get into it, they can kind of look at that and go, okay, that's a good idea. And then kind of like go off and do their own session zero and then start their own campaign. Um, So I'm hopeful that that becomes something um, soon for me to play. But, uh, you know, a long-winded answer to your question, I haven't had a chance to play anything lately um, other than video games with my kid or or just uh, thinking about the stuff that we're doing. Because, like, I've got a lot of stuff in development right now. and And that's hitting my gaming Jones right now. But it's not the yep. same as being at the table yeah. doing stuff, and I and I yeah. and I miss it a lot. I miss it as a player, and I miss it as a game master. So I think sometime this year I'll try to find a way to get back to it. Nice. Well, if you need to, if you need to, PCs, <laughs> you know, just you know, you know, yeah. just let us know. We might find might be able to find a couple for you. Yeah, for sure. So, and I think you know, you guys are like me. Like I think you you know the realities of gaming when you get older is uh, all of a sudden these adulting things come up, and you're like. Yeah. Where did all that time go when I was in college? Like, I mean, I remember my gaming group and I, we'd play until two and three in the morning and uh, it was no big deal, right? Nope. We, could go to, we got had classes in the afternoon the next day, or we had, uh, yep. you know, we worked our retail job in the afternoon or something or whatever. It was not a big mm-hmm. deal, but all of a sudden you grow up and you're like, 
uh, where'd all that time go? Like, uh, where's my availability? Right. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. yeah. So, Big time. Yeah. That's why, well, that's why you're, we're, rec- you know, we are recording this in the, in the later evening, just because, yeah. you know, you're busy. We're, we're all busy, but um, we really, when, when you pinged us on Twitter, um, I think I, I think I texted or called Jason. Brad was very excited. Yeah. Yeah. And not, in a, <laughs> not in a creepy, not in a creepy stalker way. Cause I don't know where you live. So you're fine. You're safe. But um, just, just your experience as yeah. someone who is leading this charge and I look over here and I can see my, mm. my set of books, someone who's had their hands dirty in those. It's always fascinating, especially with IP that, yeah. um, you know, my, I, I credit my mother with introducing me to the original series when I was very little. And I still mm-hmm. remember going to see probably well too, way too young Wrath of Khan when I was, you know, you know, probably six, seven, eight years old. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's been, it, you know, it's, it's been our, our, our own garden for Jason and I, and it's been a topic mm-hmm. of discussion for us. We're going to, we've known each other almost 30 years yeah. and it hasn't yeah. gone away. Yeah. So, yeah. and, and thanks to, you know, Viacom CBS and thanks to Modifius and you guys, it's not going away anytime oh soon. Thank yeah. Goodness. And, and in this golden age, there's, it's not just a golden age, but there's so much material now with which to play. Mm-hmm. Right. And to, yeah, yeah, it just, it's just incredible. Just incredible. I was going to say one more thing too. Yeah. Jace, Jace on the, on the star Wars side likes to play kind of on the fringe Mm-hmm. And so with the players material now, Oh my God, I love where know, this is going. Yeah. You know, you can play on kind of the yeah. fringe of the, you can play those characters, like you said, right. in Picard, the, right. Right. The Rios. And, Cause we've, and so we've on. spent close to 60 years of Canon in Starfleet, mm-hmm. but we've, we've only really gotten glimpses of the Federation. Right. What does it mean to be a citizen of the Federation? What does it mean to be right out on the fringe, right? What does it mean? What does it mean to be to be on the opposite side of the Bajoran wormhole with, you know, st- the Federation's new territory out there, right? And what does it mean to be a homesteader? I, these are fascinating things that that Star Trek has never attended too much, but it's starting to. And and you're seeing to it that it's put in the game too, which is, yeah, very- We can create it. Gratifying. I mean, we have the beta yeah. quadrant now. We can, we can whether, mm-hmm. it, and you know, you've given us the sandbox, like you said. So right. we can go out and right. create the beta quadrant the way we want. Right. You know, we can go and create the gamma quadrant the way we want. We know mm-hmm. certain pieces of the Delta quadrant from mm-hmm. Voyager, mm-hmm. but um, giving us that sandbox, even That's if awesome. it ends up not being canon is, you know, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's just, for yeah. me, it's, it's awesome. And it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting to hear you say that because uh, uh, first I'm grat- gratified to hear you say it, first of all. So thank you for that. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, the stuff is hitting the mark. Uh, but it's a really huge challenge, and I didn't think about that until recently. Is, is and I don't remember what it was probably an online comment that somebody was talking about, and I was like, "Wow, you know, uh, an RPG really has to do a lot of work, right? Especially for Star Trek. And you know, Star Trek yeah. is a great, great franchise. It's been around for sixty years. It, it has been remarkably cohesive over sixty years. Like they've found a way to largely keep it together. Um, <laughs> but as a as a gamer, as a role playing gamer, like creating a character to live in this setting." there are gaps mm-hmm. that, that they just don't explain. They just don't mm-hmm. talk about because it it's not relevant to the, to the drama of the episode or the, or the series or whatever. 
And you're like, but what about this? And what about that? And what about this? And if you pick at it too much, like if you start unraveling the threads a little bit, it just kind of falls apart. Right. So you have to be careful about like, okay, we got to keep the, we got to keep the tapestry together, but we can still kind of pick at it. Um, so th- there've been plenty of times where I've been frustrated uh, just watching the show and like, why didn't I explain this? Or why didn't I explain that? Yep. And, th- and then I have to sit there and think, how in the world are we going to explain this in the RPG so that it makes sense? Right. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. like, especially like, I mean, Discovery is a great example, right? The first two seasons of Discovery are set in very specific time frame. Mm-hmm. And, and if you, if you posit what happened in the first two seasons of Discovery and then realize, okay, that's only five years before the start of the original series. So how do they get from here to there? Like, how do we bridge that? Like, yeah. like, like the Federation was on its knees, almost completely defeated and destroyed by the Klingon Empire. And then in yeah. five years, you've got Kirk and yeah. company on the Constitution yeah. glasses out, out expanding the empire and being colonialists and, you know, whatever. Um, but it's like, it's like, it was like that really hard. And it's all prime universe because if I come CBS, the soul, this is all prime universe. So yep. it's got to make sense. And so he's like, well, okay. So we can kind of hand wave it and say, oh, yeah, it just is what it is. But, but, but I know gamers because I'm a gamer. And it's like, I want it to make sense. Even if it's soft canon, I want some sort of explanation that will bridge that gap. And that's just been the challenge really for a lot of this stuff is like trying to make it sound plausible so that CBS will sign off on it. Yeah. And then also make it sound plausible that the majority of the gaming community will say, okay, that's okay. But, you know, so, so we try to present options in that sandbox mentality, but I also try to make it clear in like sidebars and stuff that like, you know, this is our perspective. This isn't canon. This isn't the truth. Right. And and I think a lot of gamers, not a lot, but some gamers, especially newer folks to the franchise don't have that um i I don't mean this to sound negative but they don't have that level of maturity yet to to know what Mm -hmm. is canon and what isn't canon and Mm -hmm. to be able to read a book and say oh well that's that's star trek so that you know they don't read they they read something and they might just accept it as at face value it's like this is how star trek is and and don't get the nuance that like this is our perspective of it right Mm -hmm. it's not true it's not the truth it's not it's not you know it may be official star trek product but it's not canon Right, because right. the only thing that's canon is what we see on screen, and that's just a really delicate, you know, tightrope to walk sometimes. Because yeah. I remember, you know, when the first handful of books came out, um, people were complaining online, like, "Oh, they wrote they wrote up the Steamrunner class like this, and that's not what I would have done. It should have been this way or this way." And oh boy, it was really hard to explain to them, like, "Well, this is our perspective. This is one writer's perspective on what they thought it was in the confines right. of our game. Right. If you don't like it, change it." And <laughs> there's like there's this 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 current of of uh um unwillingness to change what's in a book because like oh well Medifius wrote it so it must be true yeah and, and, and like just a lot of gamers are just like hesitant to change it and make it their own and uh, it, it's just fascinating like like the whole um the whole gamer psychology like i'm sure that we could go for a long time about like gamer psychology and like how you approach a rule set and that you don't want to deviate from it and you want it to run yeah, it yeah. rules as written is the truth and you don't want to deviate from it. And, uh, and like, like that whole embracing the toolkit concept is, is new to a lot of people. And I think it's because certain um, game lines out there have a very specific way of being played and you don't yeah. deviate from that yeah. or you, or you deviate from it at your own risk and hopefully your game group will be on board with it. But then you got all these house rules that you have to deal with and all that stuff. Um so I, I don't know where I'm going with this <laughs> other than to say, like, yeah. uh, you know, if any of your listeners are listening, like, don't forget that, like, it's a it's a game set, but only use as much of it as you need. 
And I, I tried to, I, I think in the Shackleton book, especially I hammered that. I, I think I over, I overemphasized it. Cause like, there's like eight or nine sidebars in there that I really hammered the point home. Like this is a toolkit. Use yeah. what you want. Yeah. Ignore the rest of it. I loved that because, yeah. because in effect you're, you're validated. Jason and I have talked about this in terms of playing on the edge and fringe and all that. Yeah. You in effect validated something that we hope other people who play Yep. this game yep. too and i really hope that there's a younger generation that is yep. like to your point watching these newer shows pick this up and i think there is just based off yeah. of what i've seen yeah. in the twitterverse yeah and just the way that games are being designed now i i mean you know kind of in, in a sense coming full circle back to gygax at least early on of of yeah we've got a rule set but that's that's a foundation right? Mm-hmm. Not walls. And I think for a long time, it wasn't that way. Mm-hmm. But you look at especially a lot of the stuff like on Kickstarter, and, and it's, you know, this is supposed to be dynamic, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even if it's crunchy. So I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna say we, 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 we haven't even hit on everything that we want to hit on, because we talked about this before we even recorded. So I'm not gonna ask, I'm just gonna say you need to come back. Um, normally I ask, but I'm not going to do that this time. I'm going to be a little authoritarian <laughs> like I am with my children sure. and say, I, we, we have to come back because there's this whole, Jason's laughing at me. I am not. Um, yeah. Yeah, you are. Um, cause there's so much more, um, we got to talk about just like in terms of what you were saying, cause you know, Jason teaches leadership. There's a whole leadership component to this oh, huge, outside yeah. of, outside of the traditional stuff that you would expect, um, you know, we talked a little bit about DEI, but I think there's, I think people need to see, I mean, Jason and I talked about this in our, our episode about therapy and psychology, the one mm. with Dr. Culber. Mm. Um, yeah. I think Star Trek right now is hitting on an area that is, is a, is a nerve for a lot of people after going through what we've all been through. Mm. Um, and I think the material in rereading it, especially now, you know, you yeah. posted a picture of my coffee table or my side table with my books. There's a, the, the, the material is giving folks the ability to, you know, yep. heal in a way yep. through mm-hmm. the material and through watching it and then being able to act on the material. Yeah. yeah. Through the writing, through the artwork. I would like, I mean, we'll have to another time, get into gamer psychology. That would be interesting too. Um, Considering you're a psychologist, Anna. well, it just it would be interesting. Too. I mean, but, but, yeah. No, I, I'm not joking. I'm saying yeah. it would be a fascinating discussion. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think RPGs as therapy is a fascinating topic, and um, you know we can yeah. certainly dive into that anytime you want. Um, but just I, I'll just I just want to say anecdotally, yeah, I, I've seen it. I mean, I felt it personally, right? Because like like Star Trek has been has been my lifeline honestly <laughs> for yeah. like the last several years like uh you know for the last four or five years or whatever just because of the where, where the world has been yeah. so crazy yeah. like, i had my family as my rock and foundation and then star trek and 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 mm-hmm. this game and um and just star trek in general like discovery and picard and everything else mm-hmm. um but i've noticed too again because i spend so much time on social media about this game and i make it a point to kind of poke in on the twitch channels and the youtube channels just to see what other what, what are people doing with it right uh, and it, it is amazing to me. Like I, I had no concept that this that this could happen for an RPG. I, I got a sense of it with D and D a little bit, uh, just seeing people play it on, online. But like, what the, the what people are getting out of out of it, being able to play this. I mean, a it's escapism, right, to some extent, but it's also therapy, right? Because yeah. like people are are coming out of these out of their game experiences 
in a different mindset and they're feeling better about things and they're able to look at things differently and they're getting yeah. those life skills and the coping skills and all this stuff. And it's just fascinating to me and, and gratifying. Right. And yeah. it's also kind of scary too, right. To, it's scary to realize that there's people in, you know, Finland and uh, Australia and uh, South America and Germany playing this game that we've all created and poured our heart and souls into and it's resonating with them. And it's like, wow, like we're, we're, I mean, this entire world has been in a world of suck for two years now. Plus, you know, depending, I, I know, I know America's got a good, you know, but over a lot of countries and a lot of countries have a way, way harder than we do even now. Yeah. Um, but like they're getting something out of Star Trek and they're getting something out of this game. It's, oh man. It's so, it's so like, that's almost the, the, yeah. the value proposition for me of actually doing this is like, is like so many people are getting stuff out of it. And like, again, that whole therapy thing, but um, yeah. I, I digress, but I, I had that on my, on my thought process. I was like, wow, the, we could go. And we have to, we have to have you back on because we have to yeah. talk about it. Cause and I, that, it, that plus Star yeah. Trek is, I think a, it, it, there's a discussion to be had there. Yeah. That's a beautiful, that is a beautiful place to pause for now. Uh, yeah. We are in strong agreement with you. I mean, <laughs> RPG, we are, well, and, and RPGs in general and Star Trek, specifically and then being able to play it through star trek adventures even more specifically mm-hmm. yeah thanks so much for taking the time i know we know i know we've kept you we will, we will plan on, on on talking to you again this was so much fun not a problem jason brad thank you so much for having me uh to chat with you tonight thanks for taking the time looking forward to talking to you, talking to you again soon well i still every time i listen to that I still get giddy just because of the, the type of conversation um, we got to have with him. So, Jim, you know, we'll talk a little bit more here because it is our one year. But before we go mm-hmm, any further, mm-hmm. I wanted to thank Jim. Yeah, thanks, Jim. For taking all of that time with a little one yeah. at home and mm-hmm. all, you know, you know, day job doing this. Mm-hmm family we almost always record in the evenings it works for us it works for our guests and we know that makes a longer day yeah it makes a long day so again um thank you very much and then and then you know honestly like you like you said earlier we recorded a little earlier jim's been still gracious with his time out on twitter and all that even outside you know so At, at the risk of overstepping um from us both, thank you for making us to feel like, uh, if not unwanted, at least adopted family in the Modifius STA arena. Um, just the information you share, the the comments we see from you and others from the company on Twitter, uh, the feedback we hear, um, it's 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 just really cool. Uh, we obviously are a little biased because we love the products, but it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and again, we've all, you know, we've, we, we are very close with a number of companies. We're fascinated by RPGs. It's just mm-hmm. because of our affinity for Star Trek, mm-hmm. the fact that, that we've been able to make contact and they've been so gracious with, with time and yep. energy and information from Kelly to Chris, you know, to Jim, you know, I just, I, I wouldn't, I didn't expect that way back no when we started doing this no nope, and not from anyone and i know it's we sound like two really old um uns in untechnology sophisticated men when we talk about twitter you know this new twitter thing i mean this is where we've gotten our interviews you know we mm-hmm. find and see names of people we do our research and 
Um, this is how it came up with Jim. We saw Jim out on the Twitterverse, mm-hmm. um, did some research, um, saw that he worked from Ladifius and was involved in Star Trek yeah. Adventures. Mm-hmm. And whether it was you or me, I don't remember, but the, the, we said, okay, we, we need to find a way to bribe Jim to come on the show. Yes. So, yes. And lucky for us, Jim didn't take a bribe. Um, he no, not yet. No, right. he graciously right. just gave time for it. Yeah. So that we so, saved, we saved this one. Yeah, this is this. One year episode. That's right. That's right. It's uh, it seems it seems fitting. With that, we ought to wander over one year into the GM corner. Oh boy, your your corner is getting more and more crowded. What have well, you I been up gonna, to? I was I was going to say that that thanks to thanks to this past year, um, I don't really have a corner as much as I almost have a separate room that I'm going to need for this. <laughs> um, or at least another shelf or two to put some of this. It wasn't stuff. that long ago that you sent me a photo of just your D book collection. And I believe it took two photos. Yeah, it did. <laughs> it did. And I and I actually sit I have sitting up here, I have um ironically, I was doing some cleanup. I think you know, one of the more recent episodes we recorded, I was talking about I was working on D. Yep. Um I picked up, so on my desk, um, I have um, the Klingon players book for STA. Um, There was just, you know what attracted my attention? The fact that it has uh, two bookmarker ribbons in it. They went into, into into such detail. That's nice. That you can actually, there's ribbons, so you can actually mark. So um, I have that. I was going to read through some of the material on that um, just because um, I was watching the Picard preview. Oh, don't even get me started. I mean, this is, so this dates it a little bit. Gives no, 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 no. I, it, yeah. it does, but it doesn't. I was yeah, yeah. watching the, the preview with, um, and I'm going to get this wrong, with seven and nine, and is it the Fennec Rangers? Yeah, Fenris Rangers. Fenris Rangers, thank yeah. you. Um, so it just got me thinking again about that whole, you know, if you're going to play a bard, you don't call it a bard in the Star Trek universe. You go back to TNG with the rogue. There was the rogue on right. the show. And um, so it got me thinking again about Star Trek. And then um, I was missing one source book from my Genesis collection. What's that? And it was the Key Forge source book. Keyforge was a big product line back yeah. when everything was together as FFG. They had a well, and it was their living game card game. Yes. Yeah. Well, there is a source book. When did Genesis. you get that? I got that. I want to say about four days ago. How have I we not talked tell, about that? I, I have. I think it's everything was going on, and, and it, yeah, and I set it down, but I put the Klingon book on top. Okay. So I haven't gotten into that yet. Oh, that's interesting. <clears throat> But I thought it might be really good material mm-hmm. because um, I'm still doing something with Genesis. And let's remind everyone, um, we originally were going to do, I think we talked about it. Brad yeah. did some really poor teasing about it. We were going to port yep. Star Trek to Genesis. And then yeah. we realized there's no need to do that because yep. as because um, the 2D20 system, Jay Little system that, you know, for Star Trek Adventures, um, it was, I think, after talking to Jim, yeah, that we became thoroughly convinced it's time to let this go and take a different tack. 
Yeah. And, and I'll come back to that book and in to the Genesis in a second. Yeah. That's something you brought up from the interview is that especially, and you heard this, especially with the new player's handbook and game master's book, um, you still need one of the, the, the game books, whether it's the, the original one or the mm-hmm. Klingon one. Yep. Um, yep. But what really caught my attention was when we were talking during that interview, how the books and the information in them allow you to have it as crunchy as you want, or as narrative as you want. Mm -hmm. The, the new books kind of open that door Mm -hmm. for us. And then we realized, well, we didn't need to port it to a narrative system. I think we actually, even if I remember correctly, we actually brought that up, whether we were online or offline. Um, But um, Jim did not need to say a whole lot for us to realize that um, that dice system can be just as narrative. And so, so so ultimately we still have a yearning to do something Genesis. Um, We haven't figured it out. We have too many other things on our plate. We'll eventually play Star Wars again. Oh yeah. Probably how it's going to be. Well, we, we still have, we have an ongoing game out there, but um, you're doing the one shot bard. Um, I thought maybe once we get through that, if I can get a little bit more of a handle on it, Mm -hmm. um, I'd GM a one shot with you, a character you create within star Wars. Oh, that's interesting. So I haven't, I just, it was something I thought about after we talked the last time, I'm in. I'm in. Um, but I figure we'll get through the, you know, so I, we don't, I don't bite off more than I can chew. Cause I can be prone to that. Mm-hmm. We'll get through um, this one shot bard. And this is, I'm, I, I have a first level bard. I would like to continue to use that character yep. and build yep. that character. Um, I would like to, I would like to be able to do the same thing with star Wars, but not have to have you GM it this time mm, just sure. to do a character because it'll teach me. It'll help me learn. Yeah. The yeah, dice mechanic. I, anytime. So, yeah. I'm, I'm game. And then we still have my, my, uh, I call it a saga. The one that I built that we've talked about on here for on Homeland. Yeah. We need to, yeah. we need to play. We, we need to we, get back into home. I've really been, I've really been jonesing to play and we'll talk off air, but, but um, yeah. I've got time coming up next week. Lots of times. So you let me know. Yeah. It might have to be because of work. Well, you see, you're going to hear us talk about this. Like we talk off work. I still work during the day, but I might be able to get off a little early and we might be able to start earlier in the evening. There you go. There you go. So, see, that's probably the, so on, on that note of playing. Well, um, before we, before we go, what, what's on your, well, desk? No, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. That's good. what I was going to say that I, um, I have been working. Uh, let's see. It's only Wednesday. I've been working this past week. So for a few days, three or four days I've been solely working on the one shot adventure for you and your bard uh, yes. in D and D just designing a little bit of backstory of the game. And I want to be careful because I, I don't want to, it's your character, but a few elements are necessary. So here, uh, how, uh, let me. Well, you let, told you told me that when I was creating, and I was okay with that. Yeah, you, and I appreciate just, that. Yeah, so everybody on, knows. On you know. air, on air, I'll tell you just this little bit, and this is the only teaser you're gonna get until 
we play. Okay. Obviously, you've got a bard. I had offered for you to start at, say, fifth level, but you 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 want to play this character, which is really neat. So it'll be first yeah. level. Um, your, it's a gnome. It's a gnome bard. It's a gnome bard, which is just so clever. Yeah. Uh, about 30 years old, right? Yep. So... Yep. So uh, a, a young man, but definitely an adult, already has some experience under his belt. And had nothing at all to do with me watching Vox Machina and Scanlon. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. <clears throat> Kickback. Excuse me. So because uh, so, uh, when I look at you, Brad, I think of Scanlon. And we'll just yeah. let that be. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I, you, you look at me as like a gnome bard. Is that what you're saying? So, no, that's not no. what I'm saying. Okay, so, I get it. So um, this is all I will tell you. And you know a little bit about this. Uh, your, so you're, you've got your bard, your gnome bard, which is so cool. You've told me he's 30 years old. Uh, your gnome bard. So the, here's what I'll tell you. The adventure is going to take place uh, obviously in Faerun, in the Forgotten Realms. Uh, not far from the Sword Coast, in one of the towns on the map. Okay. Your bard, uh, nine years ago, eight, nine years ago, was a graduate of the elite Strixhaven University. We've talked about this, majoring in um, music, but with a minor, what do we say, in enchanted harmonics. Yep. Uh, as a uh, as, as I don't know if he was during a senior year or not, but while at Strixhaven, uh, because it was Strixhaven and because he had facility with music and because of his interests, his research interests, he also did a semester internship at Candlekeep. Thereby bringing together elements of my three favorite D&D books. That's what and I, so, yep, you knew it was coming. I so, um, so in fact, tonight after we're done recording, I'm going to bring Strixhaven upstairs because I just recently got it, as you know, and I want to read more of that. Uh, but that's what I've been working on. Slowly, I have the mental outline of the adventure and I need to fill in some of the details. And in fact, I realized uh, last night I'm going to use Jeff Ashworth's book to help populate some of the necessary NPCs. Oh, yes. Why not? It's a wonderful resource, right? Oh, yeah. Jeff did a beautiful job. Um, and <laughs> then I'm going to leave it a bit of a sandbox so that I know who the NPCs are. I know what the plot is. I know what the goal is, but the rest is going to be up to you. And I, I will say that I used... Um, way back, I used D and D beyond character creator for that's pretty cool. Yeah. For the two NPCs, two PC NPCs that are part of uh, Homeland, the duet adventure with you. Yeah. I went and decided, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to work this character through and build this gnome bard and, um, and did it, did it in one shot. I didn't build something and say, I didn't like it, removed it. I, I have to. I have to give kudos to that site because it made character creation extremely fun. It's fun yeah. to go in there and create just for the sake of creating. And I was able to send a PDF and actually a link to 
the site so Jason can watch yeah, you, the character. You, te- you texted me, of, you're on it, and 10, maybe 15 minutes later, you sent me your character. Yeah, and that yeah. was time, that included time for me to make decisions about character's background. But I liked the idea of, I wanted to play an ethnicity that I had not played before. Yeah. And obviously I've been wanting to play a bard now for a little for a bit. while. And yeah. For a while. And, and even before Scanlon from Vox Machina, I'm a, I, I grew up in music. So it just seemed like something to try to do whenever I've played um, games that lit, that were high fantasy like this, I always ended up playing magic users, right? Um, wizards. And so I wanted something I didn't want to be a tank. I didn't want to be a fighter or a paladin. Yeah, I wanted something yeah. different. I was going to pick a rogue or a bard. Yep. yep. And no, I'm bard glad was you picked a bard. Yeah, you yeah. you still got that magic, obviously. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's I'm really but looking forward to seeing this bard. You, you 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 glanced over it a little bit because um, like Jason and I have, we have we, you know, in our own different ways, we're goal-oriented. And so Jason had set some goals to meet before he was allowed to buy another book. And so you met the goals mm-hmm. and you ordered a book and you got Strixhaven, mm-hmm. which surprised me at first, because that was one of those books where you were kind of on the fence. On. I was very much on the fence. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it sounds to me just based off of, we haven't talked a whole lot about it other than no. the fact that yeah, we'll have you had, you had candle keep and Strixhaven together on a table you sent and me sword coast i sent you a tee up but just a tease of i'm working on your story yeah uh, yeah and then you actually had some writing and you actually went and and whited out that area so i couldn't even see just the in case you wanted to <laughs> zoom in <laughs> yes which i thought was it was awesome so <laughs> um but just it, it's 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 fun i'll i'll wrap up my piece here it's fun jason and i are physical book people i do read on a yeah. kindle at night um, but that's why I still, that's why I have so many books is I still love paper yeah. and being able to take upstairs, um, you know, candle keep or, yep. um, sword coast or yep. Eberron or the, or the Klingon book or green Ronin's, um, modern age, um, any of those being able to carry those upstairs. And sit at a table yep. or sit yep. in my chair and read. That's right. Um, that's what got me into RPG games, even when I wasn't playing. Just reading them. Yeah, I have mm-hmm. I have Hero Quest, not mm-hmm. Rune Quest. I yeah, have, I have Hero Quest. Yeah, which was written by Robin Laws. It's kind of a mm-hmm. uh, an offshoot of Rune Quest. Mm-hmm. I bought those books years ago, and I read them years before you and I decided to start playing again. Right. Cause they're just, all, I just, I'm the nerd that loves reading this stuff. Cause I still find it fascinating. Yep. Right so. there with you. All right. Very good. My friend. Thank you, everybody. It's been a heck of a year. We are looking forward to year two, which starts next week. I think we're going to be around for a while. So never you fear and or avoid us, whatever is probably healthier for you. Uh, if you haven't listened to all of our episodes, we encourage you to start at the beginning. 
right? Go yeah. back because of those interviews. And because in the early in, in the early episodes, we really did get into a lot of um a lot of systems, a lot of mechanics. Uh, kind of kind of mechanic light of what works for us, what doesn't, et cetera. And we've evolved. We will continue to evolve. Um, but we've vamped long enough. This is as promised a long episode. But, but just uh, we've said it before and we'll say it again. Thank you to every one of our guests. Yep. Friends or people we just met. Going back to Rob, to my gaming friend, Steve, to your friend, to our friend, our friend, mm-hmm. sorry, our friend, Brian. Shelly as our first as our first interviewee yeah. yeah all the way through jeff and, and tim woods and all of you yeah. thank you thank yep. you and thank you to our listeners uh yes. we appreciate both of you uh and we we uh-uh, uh, we got six of them now. Oh, that's Remember, right. we Sorry. looked at the that's analytics right. we looked at the analytics right all right as always thanks for a great year be well stay well see all of you next week when we really hit our stride 